This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benham. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And we got Joe back from Scotland. Joe, you're here. I never went away, mate. <laughs> oh, <laughs> didn't, didn't miss you go? an episode. I <laughs> was Scotland. I was your ICW road trip. Uh, we, we held on for this episode for your, for your big return. Um, but yeah, you haven't missed one. You're a professional as ever. Yeah, yeah, back just in time. Much to the chagrin of the in-laws, you know, wanted us to stay a bit longer, but, you know, I said I've got duties to get back to, and I've got uh, listeners who are awaiting my thoughts on an ICW show that there was no chance of me ever attending. Um, yeah. Did you even consider it, Joe? Like, was it I didn't even know like... that it was even on. Yeah, you, uh, was. was there an ICW show this weekend? I believe so, yeah. I don't I know where... I think there it, was. Yeah, I th- so, I mean, ICW gets so, like, do you ever hear anything about ICW? Like, I don't know anyone who even watches it, but I do believe... I saw a poster in Glasgow yesterday, Oh, and I walked past it very... I was on a tour of Glasgow, cracking little tour, actually, and I uh, just sort of walked past a poster of it, other side of the road, saw a picture of... Oh, I think it was Stevie Boy or someone and was like, oh, that shite and just carried on with my day and just didn't really think about it. Oh, so I'm just looking, Joe. It's on the 27th, ICW France 2000 uh, at the garage in Glasgow. Uh, yeah. Main event of Kenny Williams and Noam Dar. Is that real? Oh, Noam Dar wasn't. You could have saw Noam Dar. WWE Dahl, match that, innit? Yeah. Kid, kid Fight Kez Evans, Mark Coffey v Josh Terry, <laughs> Easton Reeves v Andy Wilde. Come on, Joe, you missed out here. Uh, what night was that? Was that Saturday night? Yeah, the penultimate yeah, stop on the road to ICW Fear and Loathing. No, that would have been Sunday. Sunday, night. Yeah, Sunday. yeah. I, I say what I was doing Sunday night. Oh fuck it, hell. I ate a roast dinner Sunday. Night. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Whoa! Not by choice. Whoa! whoa. Did, did the Ospreys whoa. get to you that much? Is this what it is? Was it? Was it? Uh... <laughs> Ospreys look better than the one I had. I'll say that. And I oh thought the meat on that Osprey one looked bleak, to say the least. But the passion of Sue Osprey's roast, I don't think, was put into this roast. That's what I'll, what I'll say. Well, what happened, um, Joe? I'll, 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 JP's been trying for years. The listeners have yeah, been trying. And I'm you finally caved in Glasgow. Yeah. Um, no, I was in Edinburgh for the roast. Um, oh. Yeah, I got back. Where did I go? I was somewhere on, on Sunday. And got back, and in front of me was a roast dinner. Uh, <laughs> to my surprise, and I couldn't really say no. Oh my god! And yeah, I didn't really have a have a say in the matter. So, what what was uh, on it first of all? It was a vegetarian sausage toad in the hole. <laughs> uh, okay. Hang on, is this a ro- does this count, JP? I don't know. See, the toad in the hole is kind of a changer. What was was there roast vegetables and, yeah. and uh, roast it, potatoes? It was a roast dinner. Were they better veg okay. than the ospreys? Because the ospreys, will cooling points that look very microwaved. Were these yeah, better quality that, veg? Well, look, Sue had put all the effort into them Yorkshire. She was taking great pride in them Yorkshire's <laughs> and fair play to her. Yeah. Um, but that veg did look like it was, you know, straight out of Iceland or maybe Neto, didn't it? Um, <laughs> no, this was well-prepared veg. The highlight of the entire meal were the carrots. And if you're saying carrots are the highlight of the meal, <laughs> you know it's a bad meal. Um, oh, they've been, like, carrots. basted in garlic or something. Like They were pretty yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. I, would, I mean, um, we need the play-by-play hour with the pota- many potatoes, gravy. Yeah, they were horrible. Oh. It won't cook very well. Even my girlfriend, who likes a roast potato, was like, those were bad potatoes. 
A dad cooked them. Oh, gravy? Okay. Gravy? Um, oh, it was horrible. Some Bisto <laughs> shit. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't good. And I made up for it the next day in Glasgow where we had a really fucking good curry from... So have you ever been to Dishoom or heard of it? No. Oh, it's great. It's like a really fancy kind of curry restaurant in London. There's one in Edinburgh and this Glasgow chain are kind of trying to like rival it. And we, and we just randomly came across it. And oh, I'll tell you what, that it was stunning meal. Made up for it in a big way. I, I, yeah. I, I don't, I, I can't, but people probably aren't even listening at this point, Joe. Yeah. Just, the roast dinners just knocked me on my feet, knocked me off my feet. Yeah, it wasn't our it's, choice. It was, it, imagine being in prison and someone <laughs> sliding some muck under the, you know, under the door <laughs> to you. And you just got to get on with it because you're hungry. I've been on like a massive walk that day. <laughs> And I just had a pint as well. Oh, kind of. uh, okay. Carlin? So I was a little... Carlin. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Edinburgh's got some good pubs. I found a little place, actually, that had a, like, Oktoberfest theme going. Okay. So I had a pint of Schneiderweiss, which I, so I was very happy with that, obviously. And then got back to, yeah, <sighs> bleakness on a, on a plate, unfortunately. Uh, I can't believe after all this time you had one. It sounds like... It sounds like it wasn't a good one. If Lucy's giving it a bad review as well, maybe maybe J- maybe JP. If you're given JP the opportunity to it's, give I'm, you your first roast, oh. I'm just going to have to effectively cook one on the sly because I think this is the only way he's going to have one. If there's one thing I'm taking from the story is <laughs> if he just you've basically got to do a load of stuff and then he comes in and goes, oh, "There's a roast here. All right, it's you, this or nothing." Do you know how I'll eat one? On. Do you know how I'll eat one of your roasts? And Go I don't on. know if you're going to agree to this. Probably not, judging by the sounds of it. Okay, what are you doing the fifth of January? Well, I probably would like to be watching that. But, but can you hold yourself off from watching it live to watch it on a slight delay with me on the fifth? Yeah. Probably could do because I'll be watched. It's the fourth and fifth, isn't it? So why don't you cook me on the fifth a um, post-birthday dinner, and we'll watch the second Tokyo Dome show together. And I will have one of your roasts. Good, I can do this because I was going to propose during Ask Rev Joe. That could be the one. No, no, (laughs) because come on, Christmas. I'll be forced to eat like Christmas dinner stuff. Won't I? Okay, fair enough. So I I can't. Nah, nah, nah. We'll be pissed as well if it's anything like the last one. That's true. That's true. Yeah, fifth fifth works. Happy birthday to Joe. Gets himself a roast. You know, day after. Yeah, I'm I'm actually game for this. Yeah. So you can watch Tokyo Dome show on second on on a slight delay. I can watch on a slight delay. Okay. Yeah. We'll probably get into some sort of specific rules regarding the undercard. Or something along those lines. I thought you were going to get into rules leave it alone. I have to leave the whole show alone. Whole show, mate. Okay, you no, got, no, I can do commit. that. Yeah, yeah, I can commit. This is the price you've got to pay. Not watching live for me to eat. A okay, roast. no, and I think I can pay said price. Okay. I think I think I can okay. do that. Okay, and as someone at the minute who watches, you know. I'll spoil stuff for myself. I don't have the tolerance you do. Of- just put your phone yeah. on, on airplane. Yeah. Or just don't go on Twitter. I won't. Uninstall yeah. the app for the morning. <laughs> yeah. And it will be fine. Yeah. yeah I well, manage to do it that's all fine. the time. I it's can. Fine. I'm a grown adult. I can manage to do it. Yeah, I can. Uh, it's one of them though, JP. Like it's, it's almost like a reflex now for me. Like I'll get up and I'll mm. just press Twitter. Even when I'm trying to avoid spoilers. Joe is right. You've got to uninstall. Like you'll, you'll click it by mistake. You'll go on, you'll innocently scroll, you'll ruin it for yourself. You've got to take well, these precautions. I, yeah, I always think of that G1 final and mm. just seeing that image of Tanahashi on Shibata's shoulders and just going, oh, bollocks, I'll just <laughs> ruin this for myself, isn't it? He's not doing that as part of the fucking entrance. I've brought oh. up a number of times, but yeah. 
Well, there we go. Yeah, so, speak, speaking of beer, okay. I know one of the things noticed that you were up to was another one of these wild, untapped weekends, Benno. Uh, I've been going mad, JP. Uh, yeah. Is it a midlife crisis? I don't know. I went on the, the beer, beer, the beer Monzi beer mile. I hadn't even heard of um, it. Bermondsey, yeah. sorry, pronouncing it wrong. Bermondsey being Catch out. a Millwall game while he was there. <laughs> I didn't, but I know they were on. I uh, saw a lot of the fans around. Yeah, popped down to London on Saturday for a day. Mm-hmm. I only hear, heard about this like two days before. I was looking at trying to find, I think, the best best pubs in around the Shoreditch area and kind of stumbled mm-hmm. across a reference to this mystical uh, Bermondsey beer mile. And yeah, it was like, if anyone's never done it, I'd recommend it. It's near, kind of near the London Bridge area, isn't it? It's kind of that, that yeah, end. past Borough Market. Past Borough yeah. Market, yeah. And it's like all these different breweries have got a, a basically set up shop underneath the railway arches and you get all these different breweries with all their little tap rooms like it is unbelievable the wealth of places there and good breweries as well you know Cloudwater were there the uh, BBNO brewery uh, went around so it was just place after place after place I had uh, yeah Un- my untapped was uh, was kind of smoking by the end of the day I've, uh, yeah. I think I've probably got more ratings on there than I've got on, than I've got on Grapple at this point had some good Ethiopian food from the food market as well maybe doesn't compare with Joe's Indian but that was very good too yeah, the, I had a crack and day out. I almost got stuck there. My uh, my train coming home got uh, apparently there was flooding in the north uh, past Stafford. Mm. My, oh uh, fuck me! I was driving to Scotland that day. Oh yeah, yeah. mate. I thought it was like the end time. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. Like I, I honestly, our train, but all of the trains that used them were delayed, so it was just completely rammed. My train was got stopped. I think outside rugby, and the driver literally got on the tannoy and was like, "Yeah, I don't know how to tell you this, but." Uh, Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to go any further. You may want to try and book a hotel here in the rugby area. I can recommend the travel lodge over the road. Uh, otherwise, uh, there's going to be no route forward as we're not going to be able to get enough buses for the amount of passengers. So, yeah, I looked the uh, travel lodge up on my phone to see if it was fully booked, and it was. So I ended up just staying on the train uh, for a good few hours. There were passengers kind of ransacking the, the shop area, coming back with bottles of wine. It, was a full, it felt like a full-scale mutiny. At some point, it felt like we were going to do a run on first class and take all their stuff. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, this it was, is Walking Dead style oh, behavior it bad. Here, isn't it? I, I was looting everything. <laughs> it, we eventually, we got home. It was like a six-hour journey, I think, to get back to Liverpool, which is usually two. Um, but yeah, that was kind of... At one point, we, there was a danger that I was going to get stranded in London. And I was genuinely terrified about that because I thought if I get stranded in London Saturday night, it's going to be Sunday. I'm going to be in London with a train ticket home later that day and progress is on. But, ah, come on. <laughs> let's, let's, let's. Uh, all. Mate, if you get stranded in London, jump in the Oxford tube. Yeah, I don't think I'd have gone to progress. JP will put you off. It's only an oh, hour or so. Yeah. Could, could we have all gone to progress on Sunday? Could have done that? No. Well, I, I was in London <laughs> on Sunday as well. I only oh, realised that was going on on the way back. Oh, that's a shame. What did you do, so, JP? And I was with my son as well, who 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 just turned fifteen. Mm. Well, he's turning fifteen actually. Turned it on the on the Monday, but he could have gone to it. So oh. I could have, could have take, taken him along to it, but we didn't go. What you get up to, JP? I decided as his birthday treat. You know, um, he got the bruised banana Arsenal shirt, which is really good. That that away kit one. Um, however, we went along to the Arsenal Crystal Palace, which looked like it was going to be somewhat of a pedestrian victory. We were 2-0 <laughs> up after 10 minutes. Oh, and then the shit show began. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Like, I, in some ways, I get why everyone else must just enjoy having just a shower of chaotic bastards 
like Arsenal just around the league. Arsenal are great value this season. Yeah. They just mm. seem to be like that great Watford fun game, unless you're an Arsenal fan. The Villa game, the yeah. Palace game. God, I'm loving Watford. Arsenal. Well, I said Watford. Oh, you did, yeah, yeah. I'm loving Arsenal. Yeah, it's it was it was going there and they were shit. They were awful. I, I, as I, you heard earlier before we uh, we started the show, Benno, I was on a full on rant about this. So I'll, I'll spare a lot of some of the details on there when Xhaka came off, which. From where we were, when his number came up, everyone, there was a lot of cheers because mm. he was being taken off for 18-year-old Bukayo Saka. And then when he wouldn't he wouldn't run off the pitch, and obviously he was like desperate, and then that's when it turned to booze. Then you could see him cupping and then taking his shirt off. I couldn't see the fuck off from where I was. So it was, yeah, that wasn't fun. I didn't join in the booing for it. I'm, that's just, I don't get that. But anyway, that's what lots of people did. <laughs> you paid your and own. then being there for what has to be described, a, a lot of shite VAR decisions recently, this one felt like it was the worst. And the worst thing is, we're saying about uninstalling Twitter. You needed fucking Twitter to find out what was actually happening. So <laughs> don't have any, you don't show it to, on the screens in the crowd. Mm. And Martin Atkinson, who was all over the fucking shop for the game as well, didn't go over and see the screen. But then I, uh, yeah, it was awful. So that only, it was only then about sort of at basically 90th minute, we, you could see images of what had happened in terms of the, how Chambers had apparently committed a foul in the area. So left there with lots of angry Londoners around mm. the place. Um, is- yeah, cracking weekend. <laughs> see, I, I expected it to be Joe to be the one... Uh- Crying into the uh, the microphone about the football this weekend. Yeah, but... I was going to say you <laughs> yes. can't really talk. Nine, <laughs> yes. nine. No, was it Joe on Friday? Didn't, was it? Was it then just the yeah. nine? I, I felt the worst was. I know you're not on Twitter anymore, but the the, uh, the the Southampton like Twitter social media manager who just had to keep updating the score with these graphics. Zero nine zero. Oh, it was awful. It was fucking embarrassing. One of the best decisions I've ever made was telling my mate who was going to go to the pub to watch that with that evening that I had to be up very early the next day to drive to Scotland. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go watch the game. I had a bad feeling about it. Did find a stream to put it on so it was three 0 and was like, fuck this, I'm turning this off. Uh looked later on and it was eight nil and was just like, What has happened here? Just utterly embarrassing. Like, completely embarrassing. I can't remember the last time an individual game of football played on my mind so much. Like, this is the most embarrassed I've ever been by one of our results. And I was used to losing and getting absolutely killed back then. I remember when Everton beat us, like, 7-0 at Goodison once. Talking late 90s, Mm. early 2000s. (laughs) Like, yeah, I was used to these sort of results going back years. But nine, and nine Mm. at home... Like, this is on a different level. Like, it was just... uh, You know what? I got in Saturday night, been for a drink in Edinburgh, put match of a... Well, put TV on, match of a day came on, and it came on as our game was starting. It was like, for fuck's sake. Like, it was like I I had to basically live the horror of the game and see what happened. And, (laughs) yeah, putting myself through it was pretty horrible. But... It's just how much talk it's got after. So you can't escape it. <laughs> Every football podcast I listen to has just been gloating about it, basically. And it, I get it. And some of our fans have been right idiots having to go at Leicester for celebrating the, the eighth and the ninth goals. Why wouldn't you? 
Like, I think it's disrespectful not to celebrate those goals and disrespectful that Johnny Evans told him what the record was at half time. Why wouldn't he? We were playing absolute shite and did they get, did they equal the record? Yeah. Good on them. Like, I'd have done the same thing. Like, Saints fans, fucking idiots at times. <laughs> I don't know, the Arsenal lot do it. You could see where they they were having the Arsenal fan TV outside the ground. It was like there was a big scrum of people Oh, you should have gone on that. I could imagine you on that, JP. I'd love that. I, Did you have your geezer hat on at the time? <laughs> do you know what I had, I had on at the time? The Matt Riddle King of Bros hat <laughs> is what I had on. I've never seen you wear that. I was at the house. Yeah, no, no, I have done. You chose geezer, to wear it to the It's getting match. colder at the minute, but I don't fancy wearing a woolly hat. Get the geezer hat back on. I wear the geezer hat on occasionally. I fear it's shrunk in the wash, though, Joe. I'll That's, buy a new one. Uh, no, I can get one for myself. I can do the replacement, treat myself. I'll get a, get a newer geezer hat. It looks Update good. the look. Oh, we take the piss, but it genuinely looks good. <laughs> oh, yeah, you make it work, JP. It's a good gimmick. I can, it's, it's it, exactly, it's all part of the package. <laughs> I'm a package dealer in, in those regards. But yeah, Arsenal fan TV were having a bit of a, um, a show. I'd, I'd be interested to see how they'd react to a 9 0 defeat at home. Well, I'm sure that. Mr. DT would just kill someone and that'd just be it. Or kill himself. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Some speaking of hats, somebody nicked his hat during the interview. It's where it cuts off. Yeah, that'd yeah. be you. That'd be you. That's what it happens. Yeah, Gus from EastEnders. He used uh, to appear on Arsenal Fan TV. You ever see him on there? Yeah, he's not really the most. It would be. Um, Didn't Gus Lofty. have a geezer hat? I'm sure Gus has. I've a seen hat. Lofty on it. Oh, do you know about Lofty? Yeah. No, do you hear about the lofty news today? Oh, no. No, apparently they were going to make him and Nick Cotton a gay couple in the uh, <laughs> 80s. They were going to really? fair, yeah. I reckon they should Oof. have gone on that route. It would have explained some of uh, Nick's, you know. It would have given some real depth to the yeah, character, I, wouldn't I it? Agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I thought I thought for a second there it was going to go down like, oh, no, what have they done? Like, when you mentioned sort of minor celebrity of like, if you heard the news, no, no, you no, fear no. the worst. I'd heard on the radio when I was driving back today, it was yeah. radio worthy news on radio too. Yeah, it really, really I was. Think Jeremy Vine mentioned it. We're trying to drop that Daily Star tabloid aesthetic, really, aren't <laughs> trying we? Trying to move up on the world. Well, oh, we are, yeah. Well, about- you know, it will start talking about Simon Reeve for about an hour or so. So you think we're bad? I listened to Graps and Claps uh, from the weekend and they spent five minutes talking about Lexi Bell, so. Uh, I don't know. Who's that? Porn star turned wrestler, as far as I gathered from uh, from Jeff's coverage. All, all I'll say oh. is he, he painted a really interesting picture about uh, a scene that she did and he described her as looking like a p***er's <laughs> radio. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was a fun listen. JP, do you know of her? I don't. An American pornographic actress. I'm on her Wikipedia. Um, oh, same age as me. Uh, began a career in the porn industry in 2006. So she's wrestling now, is she? Where is it? Personal life? Nothing about wrestling here on old Lexi. She identifies as bisexual. She's into her animal welfare advocacy. No wrestling. No. <laughs> Uh, apparently she's moving up on the world. Uh, that's what I heard anyway. That plus the uh, the painter's radio joke. That's uh, She's an American joke. porn star though. Has she been brought over? I'm not too sure. I don't know how it came up. I think Jeff had just been uh, been searching on the internet. <laughs> oh, okay, I was thinking some like pervert money mark had brought her over in like a Trump Stormy Daniels style situation. <laughs> it could work. We've had worse happen. Has anyone ever up to like Stormy Daniels? I don't know who she was. Did you? No. No. No, no, didn't have a clue at all. And now she's, well, 
yeah. world famous. Who's, yeah. who's, who's your favourite porn star, JP? <laughs> oh, now you're asking. Pascal uh, White. <laughs> oh, every week you fear it going down this route, and here, here we are yet again. Yeah, I'll stick with that. I'll say Pascal White, and I'll leave it at that. Followed oh. by Ben Dover. Omar's got to be up there. <laughs> your neighbour. Yeah, yes, he lives in, well, did live in the Crosby area, you know. We never got to visit his old home. Sad. Well, he's hanging around with Gaffney, now, isn't he? Gaffer's got sat from EastEnders, didn't he, for texting naughty pictures. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably hanging out of Omar now, making, they're probably going to Paul Gaffney. You'd watch that, wouldn't you? I think we'd all have to as part of this job, really, wouldn't Gaffers we? Gaffer's does Paul. That would be wild. I don't know. Yeah, fuck it. Go for it, Dean. That's yeah. probably what he's always wanted to do. <laughs> Think uh, the conversation, the places this com- this podcast goes. Uh, you wouldn't believe we're in a, we're in a country that's about to uh, to fall apart and go to a, an election again. Um, yep. And th- these are the things we talk about. Um, exactly. To, well, we do this to distract from the Brexit hell that we're <laughs> mired in, really, aren't we? Oh, I did get a question about that, JP. What's more Tory, rugby or cricket? Like, if you had to, if you had to guess, cricket. I would definitely say cricket of the two. Yeah, it's hard not to get away from it. But if you're saying of, of the two, it's that. Will you be watching at the weekend, either of you? Watching what? England in a Rugby World Cup oh, final. No. <laughs> Just as simple as that. When's it kick off? Um, I wonder if it's 9am. If I'm up and it's on, I might sit on my laptop while it's on in the background. Yeah, I probably won't because I'll have a recorded match of a day the night before and I want to watch that. No, it's on a Saturday. I think. I think it's, it's on Saturday. Saturday. Oh, all right. Let me check. What was, about you, Ben? Are you going to watch good it? Good Tory day, like a Sunday, you know, I'll, a day I'll, of rest and all that. I'll be honest, mate. I'm more likely to be watching the Lexi Bell Painters vi- radio video. So <laughs> that's. Uh... <laughs> anyway. oh, I it's, watch... it's not an either or choice, mate. It's not like the World Cup final or Lexi Bell. I but mean, the... <laughs> you, you guys can do like the Tory day and I'll do like the working class day. I'll catch up on Rise of the Foot Soldier. I heard you saying before. Uh, Oh. Watching that JP, so you know, maybe I'll catch up on that it's, instead. It's nine AM on Saturday in case in case you're curious. I'm not. It's a good time. It's a good new Japan time. It always always works for everybody else. But yeah, we watched the trailer for Rise of the Foot Soldier for Marbella just before we started. Uh, <laughs> Rise of the Foot Soldier for Marbella. Like that. Yeah. Perfect. It's, I've never seen any of these films, JP. I've not looked. Oh, really? Exactly. No. I've not seen one through three. Uh, really? No. So why are you covering this one? It was just somebody had said when Ben when Benno was asking out for topics you about Rise to- of the Foot Soldiers Four, and I was like, I'm curious. There's a fourth one, which I found myself looking up who Pat Tate was earlier on. Oh, Essex murders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Always comes back to those fucking Essex murders, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, we had we had a look at the trailer, Benno, um, from South End to the South of Spain. The boys are back, and it's all kicking off. It's not my words. It's the word of Signature Entertainment. I did see who, uh, put out a trailer for it. I watched a bit of it. I did see several people get knocked out. Lots of drug yeah. references, some beds and boobs. It was very Daily Star. Uh, Essex is low on pills, so you know. Got <laughs> <laughs> important back in, and yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen uh, Rise of the Foot Soldier one to three. I've seen the first <laughs> one several times. It's a terrible film, but it's hilarious at the same time, mm. and you're both missing out. 
I once did a double bill the day after Will Ospreay Marty Scale at your call. Uh, we did a double bill the next day of Rise of the Foot Soldier and Rise of the Foot Soldier 2. And it was a glorious day spent basking in the glory of a great match. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, it's, it's very, it's, I have to say, like, I, just the fascination and the mileage they've mm. gotten out of these it's Essex Rage. It's Craig Fairbrass, as in yeah. Dan from East, Dan Sullivan yeah. in EastEnders. He's uh, just, that makes sense. Yeah, he basically just f- finds ways of getting these films funded because I think he just likes walking around acting like an old man in Spain, knocking people out, pretending to snort coke and sucking tits. <laughs> Which, trust me, a lot of Rise of the Foot Soldier is him. <laughs> With like a note up his ooter <laughs> while his mouth is around a tit. Honestly, that's no exaggeration. Watch it. <laughs> High recommendation from Joe there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he sold me on it. Well, we did watch London Rampage, and I'm pretty sure it couldn't be any worse. The cast of the first one alone is worth it. Honestly, it's like a who's who of like soap operas of the like late nineties, if anything. Don Beach from the Bill, isn't it? Remember oh, Don yeah. Beach, yeah. yeah. Um, Craig Maskell, you know who he is, don't you? Rod from Football Factory. Oh, yeah. Yes. He's actually a very good actor. Yeah, he's in those Ben Wheatley films, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he's in it, yeah. Who's who, mate? Watch it. <laughs> well, in this one, Terry Stone's in this one, whoever he is, from Once Upon a Time in London, which I've never he's heard of. He's in loads of those shite geezer films. Jordan Devlin versus David Starr. <laughs> oh, that's a good match, that, wasn't it? Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> we probably should talk some wrestler, though. I mean, I was, I was going to kind of start with the like the newsy stuff. I kind of just wanted to laugh at SmackDown doing 888,000 oh. viewers on FS1. I don't know, maybe we start there. We will be talking the uh, the OTT uh, main event, at least, that came out just before we came on air. Talk some AEW, some NXT, some NWA, maybe some MLW. But yeah, before we get to that, surely we got to laugh at SmackDown first. Less than 900,000. It did worse than AEW. Yeah. It was a, a genuinely incredible number that kind of just shows you there is no viewer loyalty. Yeah. Like, they're just a group of people, if they miss it, I don't think they really give a shit. Mm. But what have they missed? Um, yeah, exactly. What yeah. have they oh, missed? Oh, yeah, it was on FS1, wasn't it? So, like, a lower channel and everyone was ready to go, okay, fair enough. They're going to do worse because they're not, on, they're not on proper Fox. But it just shows oh. how little people were willing to follow them over. Less than 900,000. That is just, oh, that's bad. How long before do you reckon they fuck off the draft? I think they already have, Month? haven't they? Have they already got Rey Mysterio doing both shows? Like, it was never going to last. No, I mean, this is this a new record? Because it'll be about two to three weeks. It's a week, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's incredible. I have no idea who's even on whatever roster, because does it matter? It's the same program. And I Just, won't be watching it. No, exactly. It, but it is, it's funny and it's tragic. It's, it's tragic because it's, kind of obvious what they're what's happening to them as a company aren't they aren't they wrapping up this kind of bonza week that they're having with uh going to saudi arabia for crown jewel of course yeah, yeah, that is this week the, the, that last, this, this, this weekend the, the best bit about it is that it's literally i think was it today or yesterday was the one year anniversary of the uh women's evolution pay-per-view and they're not even doing that this year. Like, how much of an open goal was that to just you know, get a bit of good publicity in a week full of bad publicity? Uh, no, they haven't even. And that was that. their best pay per view in quite some time. It was, yeah. That they produced from top to bottom, and and they decided now oh, we don't need to do that again. But that sweet Saudi cash <laughs> want all in on that, don't they? Uh, it's yeah, it's it's 
it's tragic. It's inevitable. The the core problems with the product are still there. I've, you know, I bore myself with it, but it can get to the point where Fox can cancel them. I mm. don't know why that is something that, that kind of isn't brought about enough because I think it would get to the point of, right, Fox are going to seriously wonder what they've bought into. Mm. And they're effectively kind of pay masters for WWE to a large extent for the money that they're giving them. Do you know how they'll, keep the, they'll get the ratings up? If they can convince Rupert Murdoch to appear on a Fox show on SmackDown and basically play the character he plays in The Simpsons, wouldn't you be well up for that? <laughs> Do Vince Trump again, but Vince Rupert, that could work. I'd watch. I think it'd be the thing that takes Rupert Murdoch out. Uh, who's complaining? <laughs> could take out Vince at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're all in on this, aren't you? Followed by the James Murdoch versus Shane McMahon feud. <laughs> Possibly. I'd watch that. I could see James Murdoch bumping like a motherfucker. Phone hacking versus, I don't know, Nikes. There we go. <laughs> but talking phone hacking, you'd have to get Piers Morgan involved as well. Doing a little running. Oh. Could be a manager. God, he's a loathsome piece of shit. Amongst others, Calvin McKenzie, Benno, Liverpool's favourite as well. Oh he'd have to God. get involved. Yeah, all the rest of the bastards but yeah 800,000 lol that's all I'll say and all the excuses came out as well the usual lot didn't they but not to uh, this degree yeah uh, are you saying we're not going to be doing a, a, a crown jewel preview here Joe you're not uh, not hyped for all the matches they've, uh, they've announced for that I forgot it was going on um, until you reminded me. It's Thursday, isn't it? It's happening. Halloween, yeah. it's on, yeah. They're having an investor call in the morning and they're doing a crown jewel in the night. Busy day for WWE. Uh, yeah, shit day as well. So, yeah, I just keep uh, a bit of Schadenfreude again, you know, getting <laughs> off on their misery and I'm hoping yeah. that crown jewel was an absolute disaster of a show. I saw the Fiend and Seth Rollins are it's facing off there, again. That's on there, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there must be a finish. So, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a nice counterproductive finish in that one uh-huh. uh, where they're going to just alienate more fans and Seth Rollins is going to make himself look like more of an idiot. Yeah, he's a and mug. Tyson Fury, who I'm genuinely a fan of, and Cain Velasquez, who I've always been a fan of, are also there as well. But I probably won't be watching unless I'm told it's as much of a disaster as Goldberg Undertaker, which I'm going to watch him. Yeah, so fil- uh, Filthy Tom Lawler's doing uh, a Filthy Foe uh, daily with that for that. Like on Friday, he's doing a special review. I think I'm going to hold off and listen to that. And if he gets joy out of it, I think I'll get joy out of it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Team Hogan v Team Flair isn't exactly floating my boat. And, you know, you never know. If, if Brock, Brock Kane could be a delightful disaster, what if Tyson Fury is just terrible against Braun Strowman? They're the things that would get me interested rather than the actual, uh, it, it being good in any way. This card, you know what this card's really missing? It's missing Shane McMahon. It, it, it's missing the best of the world. <laughs> And he was crowned best of the world at the, at the last show they did. That's mm. oh, yeah. shocking continuity. Those Saudi fans are being robbed. That's a long-term story they're invested in. Getting back to defend it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's why they're there. So if they're dead all night, it'll just be because there's no Shane McMahon. Yeah, because mm. I planned on watching none of that show, and then you guys basically told me I had to watch that bit, and it was <laughs> fucking hilarious. And I'm yeah. very glad I watched it. It'll be... If I watch it, it'll be because there's disastrous, and I'll be finding illegal means mm. to, to watch it as well. You oh, know, yeah. Just on fucking principle. Um, and it won't be worth it. I imagine it'll be an absolute shit show. There'll be no kind of um, reaction whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, I can't see Tyson, you know, Tyson Fury, Cain Velasquez, big draws in Saudi Arabia, like mm. at the crowd going. Ugh. Yeah. 
they're better off just with that Mansoor fella. That was the only thing that seemed to get a reaction last time, apparently. Not that I watched it. What great use of public money uh, Tyson Fury and Cain Velasquez are, though. It's ridiculous yeah. that that's government money yes. that's going on this. Like, yes. Uh, it's propaganda money. It does make me laugh. You are. It's propaganda money, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well and truly. Yeah. To prop up MBS, yeah. Mm. Do you reckon they could pay enough to get Jordan Miles on, uh, on Team Hogan? Do you think that could be a thing? No? Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Fucking Christ. That's yeah. uh, It's Dave had uh, Speaking of uh, WDB, having a great week. It's yeah. a week, in it, for him? Yeah. Fuck me. Have you seen any of that, Joe, while you're away, the Jordan Miles stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck me. That is like, oh, that... Like, <laughs> I don't know how anybody looks at that. I'm sure everyone who's listening to it has seen the T-shirt in question. But, like, I, one, like, it was bad enough when, like, you just see the T-shirt and it's like, come on, that's really obviously a terrible idea, especially uh, yeah. on the black background that it's on. And then, like, when uh, Jordan Miles was going nuts on Twitter, ripping into WWE, saying WWE don't care about black people, saying it's a slap in the face to all-American performers, and then say, <laughs> posted, like, the email chain he had with the guy who put the T-shirt together, saying that uh, Triple H had uh, requested that the T-shirt be a little bit more teethy. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's bad enough that he's, like, Whoa. he's got a I loves to smile gimmick uh, in NXT, but... Like, yeah, even if it's... That's his gimmick. Yeah, yeah, apparently that's his gimmick. Uh, if you, mm. He's not been on TV for God God knows how long. He's barely been used, hasn't he, for the, like the, the last month or so. Just uh, an absolute If I'm honest, I, I saw something about Jordan Miles, and I was like, who is Who's that? that? Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's ACH for anyone who isn't, uh, yeah. isn't aware. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. It's absolutely... I mean, my God, it talk about like we speak about them being out of touch mm. this is i mean this is terrifying mm. in terms of what they what they have done I, I really apologize. Not- do you want to even apologize for it they're like oh no, no. yeah we uh, jordan had uh input into the t-shirt and it, you know you proved it before it was posted it's like don't say that just say we're sorry we made a mistake we didn't mean it we didn't realize what we were doing we were a bunch of dumb out of touch white people we made a stupid t-shirt something like that don't just throw the onus back on the performer yeah and that's what they've and that's what they've done here and then you've got people who go after the performer about being angry about it about why didn't he do anything about it as if to kind of then shrug off this as another one of WWE have done something insensitive rather than sort of thinking what is the mentality behind this mm. and there's yeah it's it is i it doesn't surprise me mm. that they do this partly because let's face it again we talk about the the creative direction is driven from this such an insular world that they have to kind of market around the ideas that this fucking mentalist has at times i'm not saying this necessarily for jordan miles obviously but I just think that there is this, they just don't think. It's it's almost like they're, they're, there is no real forethought and planning. Do they, you know, do they get him heavily involved in the designs? Do they bother doing that with the performers, most of which spent time on the indies, you know, doing stuff to design their own T-shirts as well, mm-hmm. or at least having an involvement in it. Yeah, it's it's fucking awful. Yeah, but at least the road dog wants to put on a grey background rather than a black background. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> The thing I find interesting about it, though, is from his point of view as well, thinking about it from a purely sort of 
how does it help him point of view? Mm. I sort of think, ah, fair play. Um, maybe I am, you know what, I am completely biased on this one because it's anti-WWE stuff and it makes them look bad. So anything regarding that is going to get me on board every single time. Mm. But at the same time, the last time I can remember a, a black wrestler claiming that um, the company were racist was the Mark Henry, Michael Hayes incident. Mm. And look what that done for Mark Henry. He got a massive push. He got given the belt. And he's basically kind of like eulogized by WWE as this great groundbreaking wrestler when he was, you know, pretty far from it, let's be honest. And, Mm. you know, it worked in his favor. And I sort of think, what's the worst that can happen? He gets the sack and he's maybe got a hot run on the indies and he gets some good shoot interviews out of this. Mm. AEW might pick him up. He could possibly go back to New Japan. Or they decide, fuck, let's do something with him, try and keep him happy. And he gets a decent run. So, you know what? Fair play and more power to him. Yeah, that was It does work out best. Sorry, Benno. No, I was going to say, yeah, it does work out best. It's like, uh, I felt like he had them by the balls was kind of the thing for me. Like when they released that statement, basically throwing the onus back onto him, I was thinking, he can do no wrong here. He probably went a bit far with the ripping into Jay Lethal stuff and calling Jay Lethal and Uncle Tom. I think he lost some support with that. But overall, like, there's, there's not much else he can you know, there's there's not much. WWE can't exactly, you know, if they find him or bury him, they're opening themselves to legal trouble. They're making themselves look even worse. Like I think personally, and again, I'm with Joe in that. Maybe I'm a bit biased in that. I enjoy people, you know, kick it off at WWE, especially for a justified reason like this. But I felt like he's pretty much bulletproof, uh, and he's absolutely done the right thing by speaking out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just think. You know, he's got some balls to do it as well. Mm. Yeah, he probably did go a little bit too far. And I can sort of see where people maybe think he is acting like a bit of a dick in the way he's done it as well. But fair play to him. That's the way he's gone about it. He's angry. I think he's completely justified in getting as angry as he kind of is about it because Mm. this affects him personally on a professional standpoint and on a personal standpoint as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think that WWE have completely overlooked that. It probably tells you how much respect they've got for their performers, especially those sort of lower car performers who aren't seen as making them loads of money. And it tells them how involved their guys are in the creative process, ultimately, and how, you know, he was just kind of ignored. And I just think to myself, any bad press that this company gets, I'm into at the end of the day, because they're a disgraceful company um, that you know, really need to get their comeuppance at some point, if you ask me. Mm, definitely, yeah. And it's a, like a, it's a, it was an eye-opener for me just seeing like some of the replies to him and seeing people kind of say, uh, also the silence of the people, like his colleagues has been a bit deafening, but like the the other like big thing for me was, yeah, the uh, the replies from people going, ah, oh, you know, Kofi Kingston was champion this year. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't really mean that it's not a that's that, that's the defense equivalent of well i've got a black friend like yes. he's kind of like I, I said it on a show a couple of weeks ago and i saw david star say it on twitter uh, a couple of days ago uh maybe he's a listener but like what you know the point i made was like how interesting is it that wwe is like the the 
you know, or wrestling in general, it's the one sport that's predetermined and it's the one sport that's not dominated by black athletes at the top level. Uh, Like that, there's a clear, like even if it, you know, this t-shirt, you could say it was an accident, even if you could say, you know, they're not purposely trying to keep like a Jordan Miles down. There's just a, there's an institutional bias and years and years of shitty Mm. things they've done both under cloak and dagger and, you know, outright uh, on TV um, and things like what they're doing this week we're going to Saudi that have uh, yeah the it's it's not if we, we found like we're taking a lot of glee in it then a lot of it's just the fact that we probably just agree that WWE's chickens are coming home to roost JP yeah this is the thing and it this ties into a kind of a long narrative that we've seen over when it goes from the first deal with Saudi Arabia then you've got things like the John Oliver piece coming into play as well you've got the obviously the the ratings tanking because the creative direction is just completely gone to shit. Mm-hmm. The ways that they're kind of like block booking talent, the stuff they've done with with NXT UK and the way that they've tried to attack local scenes and do whatever they can not to make wrestling grow, but to stop other companies from growing and going out of a way of, you know, trying to monopolize the market and so on and so forth. I think the thing is, is they think this stuff happens in a vacuum. And the fears they've got to have is that we're getting to a point where these things are going to start affecting the share price. And at that stage, they're going to be, you know, things can happen necessarily with that. Because the way that their brand is, they kind of want to do everything they can in order to make sure that it looks clean and pristine. But there's just obviously a lot of the, as you said, the chickens have come home to roost. And this stuff now is, you know, complete public knowledge. It's very much out there and frankly giving wwe a deserved kicking is you know it's been such a long time coming Mm. it's been such a long time coming they've managed to get away with stuff terrible terrible business practices even going to the idea that the people on which the company is fucking based upon don't have to pay for their own hotel um medical bills and travel like just stuff like that the way that they the way that they treat that talent like cattle which is the same mentality that, that, that he's always had. So, you know, this backward shit can really get to fuck. And if it's hurting them, like you two, I'm all in piling in these lot. And in fact, just looking at a story here, raw rating dips to five-week low. Fuck knows why any of those people are watching that shite. But 2.133, it's like, good, they deserve it. <laughs> well, isn't Rusev like the Russell brand of... Uh of wwe now he's a sex addict isn't he do you feel yeah. he looks smart in his jacket i, I will say that oh his, rusev's a great stuff. looking bloke yeah. and he seems like a top bloke as well when he was on a total divas that man's sense of humor he's a he's a top bloke i'd like to hang out with rusev we'd uh, talk about Krista stoichkov and the 94 world cup run possibly <laughs> and yeah. yeah it'd be a good time um but yeah Seriously, who gives a fuck about a completely unorganic storyline between Bobby Lashley, Lana and Rusev, where it's just there to humiliate some guy? And, you know, it's just, fuck this. What year is this? (laughs) This car crash TV, Jerry Springer, influence bollocks. Ah, this is great stuff, pal. He may be sat there (laughs) There slapping the lads on the back in Gorilla thinking he wants a piece of Lana as well, because ultimately that's what this is about. That's always what it's about with him, isn't it? Yeah, this is just, yeah, no thanks, no thanks. Anyway, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I can't see uh, any of us um, 
catching up on a, on Aurora or SmackDown anytime soon nope. to, uh, to catch up with those stories. But maybe, maybe we'll chat in with Crown Jewel next week. Uh, I might watch a bit of it out of curiosity. Um, while we're touching on bits from last week, though, uh, did Joe, did you get your uh, your Progress World membership sorted out or you, you were good? Look, mate, I'd rather spend, <clears throat> what was the highest one, £99? I'd rather take you guys to Toby Carvery <laughs> and splash out 99, 99 fat ones on a round of roast dinners or several oh. roast dinners for that price. And probably bad beer as well. Uh, uh, yeah, I think beer would really bloat me with a dinner like a roast. It's not enough filling, too oh. filling. Um, yeah, so no, I did not get my Progress World membership sorted out, and I hope no one did, because if you did, more for you. <laughs> I was trying to keep an eye on it, uh, like the sales, just from a journalistic point of view. I tried to go on the Progress fan group, Joe, and found that I was banned. I've been... Uh, oh, me been, and you both. I've been kicked out. Oh, have you? <laughs> when was the last time you posted there? It's about like a year and a half for me. I feel like... Uh, I noticed that uh, the Callum Leslie has blocked me on Twitter as well. I feel like there might be a, there might be a, a connection there that uh, what? having not posted oh, having not posted Leslie. there in eighteen months oh, somehow yeah. got blocked. So poor Callum lost his progress job, but you know he's still uh, still doing their bid. Uh, let's maybe, not, let's maybe not go on about him because you, you might get me going um, <laughs> and it'd be a bit of a distraction. But moron. Um, but <laughs> anyway, that. Fan group. I was ba- I got banned because I posted when we were on Indie Corner. Mm-hmm. I posted the show in there, oh. and, when, and when I went on, it got deleted. And I was like, "Why has that been deleted?" Mm. And then I posted it again, and it got deleted within a minute. And I just couldn't understand why. And it wasn't a, a progress sort of heavy show, mm. but there was a. I wanted to sort of experiment with it. So I posted it in there four times and got banned. <laughs> I can't believe it, Joe. And they just kept, but it was like, what harm is this doing here? Like, are you just censoring any kind of what you perceive as negative coverage? And Leslie is a good liberal man, as he would have, he would claim he is with all of his kind of like woke views on Twitter and all the rest of it and all of his social judgments and some of the whole stuff around Joker Bray, try getting on uh, with people shouting down for. Yeah. He's not yeah. exactly very, um, liberal when it comes to censorship is he because he tried to censor us from there See? and, you and were... he censored you off his twitter timeline as well benno i know and you know, very not, liberal not long ago he was uh, sending me dms trying to arrange like press access for us to to super strong style weekends he did keep calling me ben which is a personal annoyance he was like hey ben how's it going ben like, my, my name's <laughs> richard but thank you <laughs> yeah and then how, how things have turned uh what a shame if, if you listen callum come on we, we only want to, we just want to laugh at the fan group. We want to, uh, actually, yeah, I understand why I'm, why I'm, why I'm bad now. I just wanted to go in and, uh, hey, so, he's probably crying into his pillow right now. <laughs> Somebody sent me a screenshot of, uh, someone in the fan group, uh, saying that they were having the shakes because they got the progress club membership that they wanted. Uh, they were so happy. There were people, uh, someone else sent me a screenshot of people jumping for joy at the Ginny and Tony Storm announcement that's been made for the upcoming show. You know, Ginny, Tony Storm, that. <laughs> That long-standing great feud, the unmissable match that's coming up. No, anyone? Oh. Match thirty-five. <laughs> actually, actually, on this, I actually went on. I thought so, I bet somebody <laughs> mentioned this, so I went on the cage match and had a little look just to see, like, what the. How, if you had to guess, how many matches do you think Genie and Tony Storm have had singles matches in progress? What would you guess, be? Six. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, you, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'll go, but I'll say eight. Only four? 
Only four. Four? Feels like a lot more, doesn't it? Promotions, though. That's the thing. 13 total in other promotions. Yeah. This is just the cage match stats, so, you know, maybe we're missing one or two. But that mm. actually shocked me, because it feels like, it feels like I've seen this match 50 times. Apparently the it's first It's the mini one, Mandela effect again, it, isn't it? You know what? We were having a talk about this on Twitter. Wrestling Mandela effects. I think this is one. I think it's, this counts. Matty was asking about this. Like, they had, apparently the first match was at Endeavour 12. Uh, they had another match at Progress Chapter 28. Everyone remember that one? Yeah, Ginny beating Tony Storm. Exchanged the belt a few times. Did the match at Rev Prop, the cockpit, 2017. Remember that one, yeah, John? I was there for that. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that, that, as far as Ginny matches went during that run, oh. was one of their better matches. And she had that Rev Pro theme music as well. Well, which always put me in a good mood. And when the match started, I would always be in a terrible mood because it sucked. And I wanted to just have a word with Ginny about her approach in the ring because it just didn't make any sense. And I don't know why any of the promoters were having a word with her and saying, this character, the way you wrestle, it, it doesn't work. Like, look at your body. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm guessing you didn't go higher than three. It's the, it's the three-star. It's the gentleman's three of, uh, of feuds. Uh, can't wait for the next thing. Now that she's Jimmy Not really Havoc. a gentleman's three, Ben. Oh, come on, mate. <laughs> well, she is doing the Jimmy Havoc gimmick, so, you know. Uh, the ladies' three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God bless you if you're excited for that one coming up at the ballroom. But, yeah, it's not a... Uh, it's unmissable. Unmissable. Unmissable is the quote on the Progress tweet. Uh, yeah. Unmissable. Don't know about but that. it's turned into, like... I remember when I was living in, a, in New York... And I remember the uh, Fox Soccer Channel hyping games like the weekend before. And I remember, um, like, I remember watching like United Liverpool. Is that four-one game when Liverpool won at Old Trafford? Oh yeah, two thousand nine season when they when they there was the Makeda season when Liverpool lost it at the end. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that one. And I remember the next the game the next weekend was Bolton versus Everton. I remember this epic advert of like the Taffies versus the Trotters. Oh God! Don't miss all the action of the Premier League, and it was like, oh my God! Like it's <laughs> Bolton versus Everton. <laughs> they do that on my. I watch. Uh, I watch the football on my very legally gotten uh, Xfinity subscription that I mentioned on the podcast before. And when you go oh, three yeah. o'clock on a Saturday, you have to actually try and translate what the matches are because they don't actually list the the actual teams. It'd be like Reds versus Cottages, Toffees. Versus, and it's just all of the nicknames and like there's genuinely been times where I've been sat there thinking I honestly don't know who's playing here like which reds is it which blues is it I'm so lost who calls Bolton the trotters yeah <laughs> yeah like the saints yeah that's used a lot I don't know the gunners that's yeah used yeah they get gunners reds get blues gunners. and yeah, yeah. The, the, that stuff is the kind of like standard fare for it but yeah the trotters Ginny versus Tony yeah, Storm, Ginny. mate. You're gonna be all looking forward to this one, aren't you? You're no, president female no, correspondent. No, I, I, I won't be watching because I've oh. seen this match before. Have you stepped down from your duty as the women's correspondent? I think I stepped show? away quite some time. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, how about we, 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 we all do anyway? our correspondency <laughs> duty on that together? Okay, he's now John Paul Hulahan, our porn correspondent. Oh, here we go. <laughs> okay. I got a lot of a lot of feedback last week, JP. People were really sad that we couldn't call the episode that. Unbelievable. That bullshit. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Fuck them. They don't deserve it. Uh, well, I'm going to try and watch that progress show anyway, even though I'll, uh, I refuse right. to go to the board. Ah, I'm a glutton for punishment. I want to see how it goes. I want to see if they can... Can they get Do Not Resuscitate over? They've added new members, Joe. There's exciting things going on. 
what why on earth would you bother <laughs> they're not gonna get them over they, no, they killed them in may they yeah. killed them on like the second show they were ever on like like i was mate, on this is like watching raw i was on the show raving about the pretty bastards go how much i i enjoyed them and then they just threw them in with do not resuscitate now so there we go yeah what is in them? Young oh, lads. sorry, pretty deadly is what I meant. Off, pretty uh, deadly, yeah. yeah the Manchester pretty bastards are the ones I hate, but the ones who were very um, mid nineties kind of, uh, I don't know, Beverly Brothers type on the on the Manchester show I was talking about. Oh, okay, in yeah, against the young it. guns, was that yeah. right? Yeah, they, they showed the, they showed a little bit of promise, JP. So let's throw them in with Do Not Resuscitate. That'll get them over. Yeah, that doesn't seem good, does it? And it's no. already a crazily bloated stable with. No directional storyline. Yeah, that too. So, yeah, I don't know why, Joe, but I'll probably end up keeping an eye on it um, just to just to just to keep the report and duties going. But yeah, I think my uh, my days as uh, as progress as a uh, progress reporter are probably uh, coming to an end. That's it. But, I think they're trying to make it come to an end. Right, <laughs> by the looks of it, they're stiffed. You got stiffed on that drink. That's then it, yeah. all all of a, <laughs> all of a sudden you're getting blocked in the progress fans group. Oh, it's a, it's a sad blocked time, by man. the official historian of progress. <laughs> <laughs> come on, mate. Uh, that's it. And, and even flooded tracks on a train couldn't get me to go to their show last Sunday. What a change of year mix. That's uh, it. But speaking of Euro- European wrestling, that is is actually worth keeping an eye on at the moment. As we mentioned at the top of the show, what we all did get to see that, that dropped on VOD right before we uh, we came on air was uh, Jordan Devlin and David Starr from OTT. Uh, turned out a bit good, didn't it, lads? The... Uh, I think uh, we kind of just about got it in just before, like I said, it was literally, did they drop the VOD about seven o'clock or something tonight? About so unfortunately, that. we've, uh, none of us have been able to watch the uh, the full show, um, the OTTs at their fifth anniversary show, but we all got to see the main events. And yeah, as far as uh, European promotions worth watching, as far as spectacles worth watching, uh, this was certainly one. Uh, I'm guessing you, uh, did you guys watch it together in, uh, in yours there, JP? We did. Um, Joe hadn't seen the um, Sean Ryan promo. Oh, that's so before. good. We should start there, definitely. How great was that? Oh, it was great. It was watching. incredible. Yeah. Mm. It's it's next level stuff. It's the direction that, frankly, main roster WWE should be doing in order to build pay-per-view matches. I've got to disagree with you because you can't tell. If they yeah. use that, what story are you telling? That's yeah. like, imagine the Rusev Lashley Lana storyline. <laughs> yeah. With that Told by of Sean no, Ryan. No, 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 of course. I would say that with it, flames and it waves should be, in the background, it should be seen on that kind of a level. That's the level it should be seen at. But well, you're right, there, there isn't storylines to go with it. But by God, he's got his teeth into this one, hasn't he? Mm. And yeah, it's absolutely majestic. Yeah, that it, thing, and it gets you completely in the mood for the for the for the match. Yeah, that's it. And he's like, it's funny because like Sean Ryan got snapped up by WWE himself, didn't he? It got ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That was like that point where they were signing Chris Roberts, and it was like the signing our our greatest like videographers and you know editors, the signing up referees. But interesting that he can still do his OTT stuff, and interesting that he can do this OTT stuff that's got uh, not even just a tinge, but a strong element of. Uh, anti-WWE uh, stuff in there but yeah I mean even if you're not watching the match I would highly recommend people go and check it out and just see the just the way he presents them both you know the the black on white background and the you know the, the way it, it presents I think you can I think the big thing about this story is you can interpret either guy as the good guy in the story which 
uh, I've heard different interpretations on and even people are getting so angry about it. You're seeing arguments on Twitter and, you know, fans turning on each other. And But it's a multi-layered story that I think this the, the videos kind of help tell and the work helps, t- helps tell as well. I mean, we'll probably get to it without, without any further ado. I mean, it was a match that up until today on Grapple was doing a 4.96 average purely from the people there in the building. If you think that's high, like uh, I noticed, I saw um, Gary on Graps on Twitter, a good follow who uh, just uh, did the old Eurograps podcast and still a still part of that website. Went through like the entire feud, and you know you look at you know the the big matches there. You know the the, the Walter David Star match is an average of four point five eight on Grapple. Devil and Walter four point six six. Devil and Walter. Uh, David Starr, the last one, 4.49. Even the ring camp tag uh, with David Starr and Jordan Devlin, uh, that one, uh, 4.49 at Redemption. Uh, just like every single match throughout this feud, the, the world title match, Walter Devlin, the original one, 4.81 average on Grapple. Like he, he crunched the numbers and the average this feud's got on Grapple is 4.61. I mean, we've got a lot of Irish on there, but it kind of shows you the uh, the quality of this feud throughout and the quality of a, a good story that's taken in so many different people, including Osprey, <laughs> including a Walter, uh, even including a Tim Thatcher at one point as well. But the main two men in there being, being Star and Devlin, um, I don't know. Did this match live up to the hype to you guys? Did it live up to the feud in general? And did it did it live up to the uh, the high ratings that the uh, the people live uh, were giving it there? Yeah, I thought this match was pretty incredible. I've got to say, um, probably the European match of the year mm. from what I've mm. seen from Europe this year. Mm. Um, it was some high level stuff that was kind of led on even more so by the presentation of the match and by an absolutely rabid crowd. Like I can't remember the last time I saw a crowd that rabid mm. uh, European wrestling show. I think uh, Walter versus Devlin. <laughs> I, think was, I think this was above that even. Mm. Uh, like I think, I, I, yeah, I think this was beyond that. Mm. This was just a different level. This reminded me of like, Cena versus CM Punk in Chicago. Mm. It had that kind of Mm. level of investment from the fans. Mm. There wasn't a down period. There wasn't a quiet moment during the match. Mm. The energy level was up the whole time. And what a joy that must be to wrestle in, I imagine. Because the way that the guys put this together as well, the pace of it was insane. Mm. Like I'm not sure how long it went. It must be 25 minutes at least. But the pace of it, and the way that they were going back and forth for a good 15 minutes was insane, I thought. What I really liked about the match as well was there was just a rough edge to everything. Mm. Like, the start with the brawling was great, and the way they brawled was excellent, and then the way they delivered their signature offense with a little bit extra kind of spice on it, a little bit extra tall, landing a bit harder, but also making everything look that little bit rougher work within the context of what the match was and sort of help get one and up, get both guys' characters over that little bit extra within the context of the match. And I thought, yeah, really, really special match that anyone should go out of their way to see. Mm. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just special from moment one. And like you said there, Joe, I think that that comparison of, of Punk John Cena works for me because it's like David Starr was working the room 
and had control of the people in that room like CM Punk did in Chicago with John Cena. That's that's what it felt like. Uh, it was just... Speaking of CM Punk, he came out to Mizier Cantor as well, didn't his old, uh, his old AFI theme from uh, from ROH. Uh, it was a re- I didn't really get the reference, but it was I think Jordan had done that entrance, hadn't he, when he'd won the OTT title. The commentary did a, a good job of, uh, of filling in there. But yeah, for me, that was... The, my biggest takeaway from the match was just how much David Starr was like, just controlling this crowd and I don't know, we can get into the face heel dynamic and, and that element of it in, in, in a second, JP, mm. but it was just, it was a match of just both men, just, you know, Star especially, but Devlin as well, having that crowd in the palm of the hand and just, you know, a, a crowd that was ready to love this thing, being given a, a, a story with depth and being given, you know, two of the, the best quote-unquote indie guys uh whether you count devlin as well at this point in the world at their best as well and just yeah just really delivering there and just controlling and you know making you know an atmosphere that could you know could you could even dwarf a match it was that loud going in but just again using that crowd and and making it really something special yeah they did and uh, we were both saying watching this it was like god i wish i'd gone to this 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 would have been a really great show to have gone along to mm. and it had that kind of big thick big fight feel to it the way you mentioned about uh, obviously in terms of the presentation as well but just the way that you had a you had those kind of real rabid crowds that would remind me of like boxing matches in the 80s where they mm. get really heated watching Hagler versus Hearns or something along those lines it had that kind of level of heat particularly enjoyed it when Devlin was working his way around the ring and he was just like uh, you know, and there were people like not they're squaring up to him, but like staring at him, and he was just like kind of looking through them. It's fascinating oh, yeah. you mentioned about the characters and all the stuff Joe said about the work was was true in terms of the, the pace. It was an easy watch, a bit a lot near the end as well on some of the false finishes. There was a point I think I said to Joe, oh, "I wish there was, um, you know, you could do with a little bit of blood." This and then it came along hard that way, hard way blood. Mm. The way you just, the visual of that as well. Yeah. Mm. The way you saw it just kind of happen was, yeah. oh, it was horrible. And when he goes like under his eyes, it's like yeah. dripping onto the front of his face as well. And I think that really added the drama, drama for it there as well. But in terms of the characters, I always thought it was very interesting because you have effectively the characters, how much have they changed themselves mm. and how much is it the audience changing along with the storyline? which is a really fascinating dynamic that you have to this. So, uh, you know, obviously both both of them have gone kind of like off the rails necessarily as a result of the feud within, within the storyline. Mm. But it really works because they've managed to take this crowd and com- they're completely invested in it and reacting them the way that you would want them to react, but it is completely organic. Like Speak a real a sports, about. wasn't it? It was like, a, it's just like yeah. watching, like a, a like you say, a boxing match or watching a football game where half the fans are cheering yep. one, half are cheering the other. It's not for play that people, you can see the people in the front row living yeah. and dying by the whichever wrestler's side they're on. And you can be justified by being on either wrestler's side. That's what I love about it. Yeah. And you could see, like, you know, it's and it's pure investment from the fans. Mm. So everything about it in terms of chance and everything else, it's, it's you know, there isn't the sense of, you know, I'm going to go into the dueling chance stuff happening throughout the match, which could easily happen in other promotions. Here, it's not something that's going to happen. People are very invested on which side, but they're basically getting into the chance to kind of get behind their man and who they want to win. And that works absolutely brilliantly for it. I mean, I do have one criticism of it oh. as a match. 
it would be the belt stuff. Yeah, I'm completely with yes, JP on that as well. Star going for the belt and threatening mm. to use it when we all... I, I mean, they tried to cover for that a little bit because I think Star literally said to the ref, didn't he? They'll murder you if you call a DQ. They'll murder you if you call a DQ. Could you not mm. explain it away as I'm thinking he'd get away with it now? It's there within the storyline. So if a belt shot being used within this is something that within the, the overall context, you know, it's been involved before. However, for me, it wasn't necessarily its its involvement. I kind of you would expect there to be some things going along, and, and Foxy takes a cracking bump. So it'd be a shame not to make use of it mm. in your in your main event. Yeah, because it leads to the low but it blow. It was very it? long and drawn out, mm. and I think it did ah. take a little bit of steam. However, the final sequence is so good yeah. that you 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 are back in there. Yeah, mm. like that bit took me out of the match a little bit, and I sort of said to JP, "I don't like this bit," mm. and for me, what I loved about it was it felt like a fight. Yeah. But And they were getting their signature offensive while making it feel fight-like mm-hmm. as well. Like little things like when Jordan Devlin does that move where he does the kind of Spanish fly and he does the uh, the kind of lion salt type move. I'm awful with move names, sorry. Especially indie yeah. kind of move names. Um, there was so much aggression on that. Mm-hmm. And I love the aggression throughout. I mean, it just kind of stopped and it took me out of what was supposed to be a fight. Like, mm. I know this is completely different and maybe a slightly ridiculous point, but I said to JP, you've got this whole boxing stuff here. We made boxing comparisons, mm. right? Imagine if Anthony Joshua walked out of the ring and grabbed what was formerly his belt to hit Andy Ruiz with or to think about it. Sounds great. Between rounds or something. <laughs> I know it's completely different. But when, when a fight's going on, I want it to feel like a fight mm. and I want that focus to be on the fight. And, you know, how often does this sort of stuff happen in a major New Japan match? And I don't want WWE-style bollocks, like bad, badly sort of influenced bollocks in there. Very Johnny me, Gargano, wasn't it? Yeah, the belt stuff went down that road when the rest of the match felt completely organic. Mm. That stuff to me didn't feel organic. Now, that's not to take away from what an amazing match this was mm. and to take away from how great that finishing sequence was, especially little things like the little tease with the sort of, did he tap out there? Could, no, that, be, that. could that be classed as a tap? That stuff was all very well placed in the match. I like how it didn't sort of outstay its welcome as well. They sort of carried on with it. Um, I loved Star stealing the package pile driver as well. I thought that was awesome. There was just some absolutely great stuff during that finishing seat was in there. And the character were from both guys. Mm. Ah, mm. Some high, high, high level stuff here. Um, both guys completely in command, Star especially. But Devlin's performance and some of the sort of subtle heel stuff Devlin did in there as well. Just great stuff. Mm. Really, really great stuff. I don't know when we'll next see a match as good as this in Europe, but yeah, it might be a long time. Mm. I mean, that to be honest, I think the, the, you know, where the match, I get your criticism, but you know, where the match stopped and they did do maybe a bit of the Johnny Gargano style drama with the Willy Wonty with the belt. And, but for me, it kind of, it did lean into that character work a little bit with them both going for low blows and then both being that shades of grey, but also doing it at that point of the match and not later on and letting the finish be clean. Mm. It maybe didn't bother me for that reason because I felt like we still got to to the right kind of de- destination um, and we still got to, you know, it kind of fit with, with both of their characters. But no, I can't see your criticism there. I mean, but for me, yeah, I, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to go five stars on it. I think I'm, 
I'm coming close, maybe four and a half. I feel bad. I went I don't... four point seven five. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to give it four and a half on grapple because I don't want to pull the average down and uh, right. anger all the av- Irish. What were you th- thinking, JP? Ah, oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> Mate, they were there live. I've seen one of the five star it's a match bias, live. Isn't it? Yeah. Normally, messing, but what were uh, you going to ang- think? Don't worry about anger and a load of people. What do you think they're going to do to you? I... Mate, go with your honest opinion on the race. I don't want to anger I... the Irish. Come on, JP's on the line. I was just, exactly keeping an eye on both of you. Um, <laughs> I was I could debate like I was saying it with Joe like four and a half. I mean, and then we say four point seven five, and I've actually gone with four point seven five when I put it on there. Mm. And it's partly only loses the point two five because of the stuff that we mentioned. That would be the thing that you would keep it from being five stars, and therefore what would be fall into the term, terms of kind of perfect. Mm. Other than that, this is the highest level of stuff. That, that we have seen really in 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 Europe within a European feud like it's up there and they've been you know at times there've been some some you know really great moments I always think you know think of lucky kid winning at 16 carat and stuff like that and it's not been capital no time, exactly right? yeah takes away from it. But exactly but with this this is such high work and I would completely get the five star bias if you're mm. there live oh, completely course, yeah. get Completely get that. I think I went five them. stars on Walter Devlin before when he won the title as well. I think 4.75 because it is that kind of epic main event. It is a match you should go out of your way to see. For me, it's the best of all of the um, OTT main events that they've done in this mm. feud. It really is. Mm-hmm. I think I think in terms of the atmosphere, in terms of the heat, yeah. and in terms of the style, it's trumped them all. And the character work is so good and so complete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they've sort of come... It's mature. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. And yeah, I think the progression throughout the feud and the way mm-hmm. that they worked those characters into the match as well, and the way that the crowd was so involved in this as well... It, for me, it takes that top spot. Mm. Mm. It's, it's interesting because, like, I'm—I don't think I have any real outright criticisms of the match, like, you, like you guys said with the belt stuff. Yet I'm coming in a little bit lower than you. You know, you know what I think it might be. You know what I didn't love and what I expected to love. I didn't love the commentary. I, I, <laughs> oh, really? I, okay. I—I I, I don't know. I, I think I thought I thought the finish. I don't think maybe it's strong to say. I felt I didn't feel the finish felt. Flat. I think that's probably strong to say, but it didn't feel as epic as it could. I felt like the commentary kind of played the finish down. It felt a little bit, I don't know. And I, I, but is I, that I'm not deliberate to... though, Benno? Because that, that's something they've played into as the storylines, haven't they? Yeah, but it didn't even seem in like a kind of a sad, resigned way. I don't know. There's something about the dynamic of the commentary. I know it plays into the history of what they've done, but like I... With the split nature of the match and the fact that, you know, Star has very much become the babyface in the majority of fans' eyes, whereas yep. Devlin's the hometown guy. And yet the commentary has always traditionally pulled for Devlin. I don't know. I wonder whether if the commentary was a bit more split, I might have might have felt it a bit more. I d- there was just something about the, com- the lines early on in the match where, like, I did enjoy you know the reference to david star and, and saying you know it's like they maybe went a bit heavy on the it's jonestown in here you know yeah essentially saying that david star had kind of brainwashed uh, all of the crowd there i don't know maybe the, uh, maybe i felt like there should have been a man in the booth that was maybe on the star side 
rather than both kind of being, you know, heavy Devlin, because they were very much presenting, you know, a mm-hmm. criticism I saw going into the match was people not being happy with the crowd being presented as heels, because in a lot of people's minds, especially, you know, in that Sean Ryan video, Devlin is very clearly being set up as a heel, although you could say that as a positive, because it kind of shows the layers that are here, and there's different interpretation you can take from it too. But, but that's it. But, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't think the commentary was great. I thought it was fine, but I don't think it kind of... I don't know. I think those epic last couple of minutes, maybe I need to rewatch it. And again, I'm giving it four and a half stars, which is a high rate for me. I'm not a... I don't think I've ever given a five stars on Grapple, unless it's Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan. Uh, so yeah. I'm not... I'm not 4.75 for me is probably the equivalent of my 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 five. But maybe that just maybe stopped me from pulling the trigger entirely and entirely loving it. Did, did you guys have, have any issue with the commentary? Or did, or did, it sounds like you, you were uh, bigger fans of it than me in, in, in the way they kind of continued on the... Uh, I suppose the yeah, the biased Devlin side that they were on, uh, and they have been on for these matches. I think, to be honest, they've been they've the commentary has always been really good in OTT. It's always mm. been one of the highlights, and compared it's against a lot of other British the announcers I've yeah. ever heard. Yeah, I think OTT the standard of it and the style it is. And I think Angus McNally, and this may be a thing that that us not being there um, every every month. He's kind of like an integral part of the show in terms of the commentary that he does as well. And like you say, I think there is that link to Devlin. So I kind of listen to him like I've imagined and I've heard before, like people like George Hamilton commentating on Ireland as they concede a last minute equaliser away in Macedonia and don't qualify for a World Cup. The kind of what year was that? That was 1998, and it meant they went to a playoff and they lost to Turkey. Yeah, I remember that. that was on Channel 5. Yeah, uh, not happy about that. I want to say, yeah, it was ni- yeah, 98. Anyway, Benno, the thing is, it had that kind of resignation to it, where mm. he's kind of saying he doesn't want it to happen, but he's going to be he's going to be kind of professional in saying it. So I was less kind of bothered, and knowing what Star's like, he'll be working this into the storyline. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of stuff that perfectly fits. So I think if it's not deliberate then in a way they'll work out a way to do this. Mm. But if it is deliberate, then it's incredibly subtle work that mm. they're doing it in terms of a commentator who is biased effectively, but isn't showing bias and doing his absolute utmost to do it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example. Like you think of commentators commentating on England games, like a Barry Davis. And it's like, oh, what a legend. Yeah. And it's like, ah, <laughs> uh, and it's a goal. And then you, you know, you well, hold think of his commentary on the hand of God moment. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. Barry won happy. He, he wasn't happy, was <laughs> And he? then he had to concede. You have to say that's magnificent when Maradona scored his mazy run goal because yeah. the guy had been an absolute bastard just before that. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. Can but, I just correct you on one thing? Go on. Turkey was Euro 96. Belgium was 98. Oh, it's Belgium. Yeah. I'm correcting you on Irish football knowledge. <laughs> yeah, it's in Mas- Macedonia. Yeah. Thank Sorry, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got a little shock thing about Irish sport. I, I did, I'll come on to in, in a little bit, hopefully, if fantasy teams come up. But one thing, just yeah, just to mention in terms of the um, that that heel face dynamic, like this is proper mature storytelling, mm. and it's meant to be complex, and you're going to get complex reactions. The idea of people not wanting the un, the audience to act on mass with something I, is I find really odd. They're all massively into it. They're just reacting in different ways. Mm. And I don't think that's problematic. I think it's because 
this is a storyline that's meant to be complex. You're gonna you're going on a journey with with both of them, and then obviously they throw the wrestlers into the mix. This is all good stuff, and it should be this kind of stuff that's maturing in wrestling, mm. rather than trying to go for sort of what might be considered a lot of the times much more orthodox heel face characters. Mm. We speak about like the rise in quality TV, and I'm watching start watching a cracking show in Watchmen. You know, they're not like the bad guys are not people you just easily boo. There are motivations for their actions and kind of understanding and they look at the reasoning for it. This is the kind of stuff that wrestling should be doing on a grown-up level. Hmm. I mean, you know, I sit there as on my computer is a picture of Rusev's blank face from a, from a, um, you know, and you think of the storyline that he's going through and it's just like, who's that aimed at? What <laughs> fuck is going that Oh, yeah. Quality stuff, this. I wonder where it goes next. Yeah, you, you know, it's a good story when you can wonder that and wonder that genuinely because I, I came out of it wondering, okay, maybe, you know, because the commentary did go heavy on basically that the whole line of the, the fans essentially being the bad guys who turned on Devlin felt like it was company line, like during the closing stage of the match and during Star's celebration after the match. I wonder if that's where we're going. It is, you know, does, De- does Star turn out to actually not be this saviour babyface and somehow... They make him the big heel and then Devlin has to come back and save OTT. Does Devlin come back, you know, as a heel? There are so many ways you can go with this story and so many ways you can interpret that story. Like, yeah, I think it's fair to say that, you know, that maybe it's a good, it's a stronger story when, you know, anybody's interpretation can potentially be right. Uh, I don't know. Where do you think we're going with this one, Joe? Do you think that with, uh, with Devlin allegedly taking, uh, I think it, to, Stepping away from OTT, they released a press release that was essentially written on a on a notes app on a on an iPhone, which uh, looked as as official as a notes app, a press release written on a notes app on an iPhone can look. But they tried to say that uh, that Devlin and a uh, and OTT have uh, have come to an impasse, can't come can't come to agreement, and therefore Devlin is uh, stepping away from OTT. Uh, to me, I mean, I, I saw, I even saw some people interpreting that as like a, a shoot as if uh, Devlin's being pulled by NXT UK or something like that. I feel like he's coming back. I feel like that's going to pay into the story. I mean, yeah, what direction that sounds, do you think it's coming? Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Especially mm. with the way they were playing WWE into it mm. uh, in the build up as well and in, during the match as well. Yeah, I, I don't believe that for a second. Um, yeah, I think Devlin's going to be back. I think you're going to get another uh well uh, this is gonna be probably turn into a trilogy i think of matches in the end mm. almost like a rubber match to come over the belt as well don't know when that'll be um but yeah when it happens i wonder if they're gonna find a way to bring it back round full circle so devlin is mm. they're in there as kind of the de facto baby face again but it's gonna be interesting that's for sure it'd be interesting to see if walter gets a date as well because mm. if they do Walter star what happens then because mm. Walter's got that you know that sacred belt that William Regal loves and doesn't want to see get stepped on again mm. uh, is that match is that match worth making if you want to bring Walter back into the fold I don't know because it puts you in a kind of bind booking wise it, yeah there are lots of things to, to mm. sort of ask regarding this and lots of questions going forward but yeah, it's intriguing. I'll be there watching, that's for sure. Definitely. Just makes it more interesting, if anything. Uh, and again, yeah, you know, if I, if I was going to trust anybody to be able to do that and bring in a Walter or, you know, be able to do that or bring Will Ospreay back and do another match there, you know, do a, do a star uh, Osprey match and do it, 
you know, unlike the way <laughs> Rev Pro did it. Um, I'd trust OTT to be able to do it. But the fact that, yeah, we're, this felt like a you know, almost a cumulative moment in this feud and we're still talking about what could potentially come next and, and what they could do kind of just uh, tells you everything about uh, how strongly this story's been told and yeah, how great it's been. Definitely, yeah. Definitely, I mean, like I say, there might be a little bit of live bias in some of those ratings, I think, but overall, like, yeah, I can't. You know, you guys went 4.75. I'm not going to argue strongly with that and I definitely get it, people who went 5 in the building, all in all, no matter what you gave it. It's definitely a match that uh, that people should check out and a huge people should check out if they, uh, they haven't been following along so far. One thing, Benno, don't worry about disappointing people. Remember, I went three stars on Walter David Star. Oh, what a heel. We, I, I, I was actually... I didn't honest, like the match. I was bored during it. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking with that, I was wondering whether you, you might go this way. Is that the lowest you've given any of the matches in the feud? Yeah, yeah. I just I really didn't get into that match. Mm. That, there was, I, all the components, all the parts were there. It was just something about it. I just I couldn't get into. I don't know what it was, but yeah, it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, for me, I'm not I'm not going low for and half. It was just I don't know. I didn't I didn't get I didn't feel like the, the the finish was this big emotional moment. But maybe maybe it was me. Maybe over over analyzing the commentary a little bit. But I'd still give it that. I wouldn't go lower than that, and I'd be surprised if uh, if anybody on Grapple does. Well, uh, speaking of commentary, that maybe. Slightly, uh, oh. <laughs> speaking of, you know what? I, I just I, I gave some minor criticism of the OTT commentary, and I feel so bad now that my memory has been jogged about our next subject, yeah. AW Dynamite, where the commentary outright ruined the match for me. Jim Ross <laughs> discussed Jesus <laughs> that Lucha Brothers private party match. I reckon I was thinking to myself, if that match took place on an impact taping or an MLW taping. Or anywhere else outside of this, I would have absolutely loved this thing. But I had Jim Ross in my ear telling me everything bad about the match, and genuinely, I feel like it, it actually worked. And I was like, ah, that was okay, but you know what? I wish they'd gone for more tags. I wish they'd held that tag rope. And then I thought, no, I don't feel like that's the job of Jim Ross. I feel like Jim Ross should have been making me feel good about enjoying this match and not just yeah. pointing out every goddamn plot hole in the match that the people in the building were going insane for. But the, that stuff he's talking about doesn't even really no, matter. it doesn't. <clears throat> and it didn't matter to the people in the crowd, and it didn't help the guys in the match get over. Like, it was one of the worst commentary performances I have ever heard. It was a man who didn't understand the style they were wrestling, kind of venting about not understanding that style. Mm. This was such a fun match. It was a, it was designed to be a highlight reel style <laughs> yeah. match. I want to watch it again. I'm used. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, and he had no understanding of that. It seemed like you you could argue to some extent maybe they did too much at points. I think, but as far as being innovative, mm. genuinely inventive, this was so much fun. I was thinking to myself, has there ever been a tag match like this on a US TV wrestling show before? And, you know, I don't think there has. Not that I know of anyway. Like, absolutely crazy spots at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few little difficult moments, private parties and experience showing up at various points. Mm. But the fact that they're so raw and so fresh is part of the appeal to some mm. extent. Yeah. But JR did not <laughs> help them one didn't, bit. Didn't go and for enough pins, who need... Sorry, Benno. Didn't go for enough pins, mate. 
Ah, oh, it's a team who needs, you know, you could work that in possibly at some point as, you know, part of their inexperience. But it didn't yeah. feel like that's what he was doing. It felt like he was just complaining, if anything. <laughs> and at the moment, private party of Raw. And I think they're lacking a little bit of personality. And they need mm. work on getting that over. Mm. And the commentators could help them get those personalities over. Mm. And JR is not doing that. No. And, you know, honestly, he's probably my favourite commentator ever. Yeah. Really is. But this is just, it's sad. It's sad hearing him like this. John Motson or Barry Davis, certainly not <laughs> Brian Moore. They never got to this point. No. In their what modern football is shit. <laughs> <laughs> at least Tony Schiavone, though. Yeah. Tony Schiavone's from that same generation. And it's like he's yeah. been in a cryo chamber for 20 years and, he, and they've broken him out to commentate on the show. But you know what? At least he's excited. At least he go like... Every like even like suicide dives, he's like flawed at how great the athleticism is. He's like he sat there like a little kid, like just in wonder at all these great moves happening in front of him. Like he doesn't give a fuck about he's going for pinfalls. Like that's no, what you exactly. want. You want more big tone, the other big tone, the third big tone. In, in fairness to that tone, he is scarred by late WCW and having to call all of that. So this just must be just like a heavenly release. He's had that little sort of taster of indie wrestling with MLW for a mm. bit and he's enjoyed that. And like here, he's, you know, he's, he's like it. super hands in the episode of, you know, who's, who's just discovered a bit of cheeky bit of afternoon crack at Tony and Tony's um, engagement <sighs> reunion party. Like Shivani and Khan, is it? <laughs> exactly, Shivani. <laughs> and he's gotten well into it at this point. He's found it a bit Moorish, this independent wrestling. Um, <laughs> It's interesting my work in Peep show in there. Yeah, really. Yeah, also say, yeah, it's going down very well in this house, Peep show. I mean, to explain a lot about that Jeremy and Nancy relationship to my teenage son, though. Uh, also, Spike Trevor is a cunt. All the, bin, all the bingo done. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we go. From it. But yeah, it was, you know, they're learning on TV, private party. And it's an interesting one, the idea of critical commentary, because I don't. I think there's kind of a place for saying, but it's like what Joe said before, hmm. you work it in with the fact they're inexperienced. If they make mistakes and matches, there's your kind of cover. Yeah, It's not necessarily to say, this doesn't make any sense, this is awful. But you almost go for that at the end of the match, and you mentioned the opportunities hmm. they had when they the didn't pins, do yeah. that. They should have gone for pins. They should have. Yeah, yeah. the end. That's why they lost, because they didn't go for enough yeah. pins in the match. Yeah. And there's your story. And yeah. then you bring that up during the next match, and you say, oh, previously they didn't go for a pin at that point in time. You yes. know, they're, they're learning sort of thing. They're an experience. It's, it's easy. But, but he's not interested in that. Really, what's, is he? What's he interested in? Like, people doing things how they did it in Mid-South. Like us, mate, he's probably interested in wanting to watch some Miracle Violence Connection. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I love Miracle Violence Connection. But I also really fucking enjoyed this match yeah. and love this style, mm. you know. And it was like... Yeah. I understand that wrestling evolves and mm. wrestling moves mm. on. And yeah, I want some more ass kicks and, and some more sluggers. And Devlin and Starr did some good fucking slugging in that match, I yeah. points, yeah. especially the opening. But yeah, it's like JR's mind isn't open to this no. stuff. And like, he thinks he's no, on his podcast. He, th- he genuinely thinks he's doing a podcast episode because he makes all the same. He makes all the same complaints on his podcast. And it's like, yeah, Jim, there's a there's a million people here watching who, who don't listen to your podcast. Leave that stuff, you know, on Podbean or wherever his podcast is hosted. Just, yeah. I mean, 
I thought that was, uh, I, mean, I enjoyed the way they started the show with that in the ring and went straight to this match and tried to do this hot match. Again, maybe I didn't connect mm. with it entirely because of the commentary, but, you know, as a show overall, I, what did you think of it? I thought for this one, for, what are we on to now? Week three, week four? It, it's, yeah. it's, it's, for me, I still think there were too many matches. Uh, I think it was too, yes. they, they, they went straight to this match as like a cold open and I enjoyed that as something different. But they were clearly doing it because they were struggling for time because they packed so many fucking matches into the show. Um, but again, despite that, I enjoyed most of the matches and I thought they were fine. But you know what the strongest part of the show was? It was the big angle in the middle. That's what I want more of. Oh, but that fuck, was great. But yeah. you know what? If, if if this was all we got, this was enough. This was enough to make me an, an AW fan for another week. Because yeah, I thought, uh, I definitely thought for me, and I'm guessing uh, from your voice there, that uh, the Cody and, uh, and Jericho was the, uh, the highlights of the show for you guys. That was absolutely tremendous. Just the way they did it, everyone coming out the way they did. Yeah. The way that um, Inner Circle behaved when they came out, it was during the Omega Janela match, wasn't it? That it they, that they, no, was it, it was the, SCU. No, it was the Order. SCU Dark Order match. Yeah, because it was during, I think it was during yes. the heat. Uh, and then there was a bit of a Frankie Kazarian comeback, and people were just kind of just paying attention to Jericho and uh, and the lads up top. Uh, that was a, a minor negative, but no, it was, it was yeah. different and it was great. It was always going to be a distraction, mm. but the way they did it with like Jericho sort of cheering on Dark Order during it as well. <laughs> the one fan. The one fan who was, yeah, exactly. That was him. But um, yeah, the, the way that they worked in as soon as Cody started talking and they had the horns out, like kind of booing him down up to the point where he gets the team there. Then it, it has to be said, it's it's the glass. It's him breaking the glass and using the Burberry scarf to tie around his hand and just that wild brawl and... And Jericho being willing to do the right thing in order to get that storyline over and be that bit of a chicken shit and show that kind of little bit of weakness for Cody to get after him. Because he'll get the he'll get the advantage on on Cody some of the weeks as well. But he understands he has to make himself look vulnerable as well. And he's gonna do it in a really entertaining way. Clearly, he's having the absolute time of his life at this point. Um, speaking with WH Park today, you just say like this version of Chris Jericho, this AEW version of Chris Jericho, is the one that rapidly becomes like your favourite. As much as at times during that New nah, Japan, two thousand eight, no that's, that's, cruiserweight no, run, nineteen eighty seven. Come on, with the moment, like like with him in what he's been like in New Japan in terms of late oh, Chris right. Jericho. I yeah. suppose, yeah, yeah. Like this version is really good fun. And he, he loves having a heel stable. Yeah. But also, so much of the focus is on him. Mm-hmm. And he's so pivotal to getting, you know, this company on the map and all the rest of it. And, you know, he's invested and he's invested in progressing the company, not progressing himself. Mm-hmm. He wants to give back while also, you know, having the credibility and the kudos of doing that. This isn't about the sort of now for him. It's about mm. what he can do for this company long term mm. with what he's doing. And I thought, yeah, he's been great so far. Yeah, the, that brawl was amazing. I love the yeah. bit where he was behind the glass door as oh, well. Yeah. The, the stuff he was doing behind there was, ah, oh, it, it was just <laughs> gold. And the, and the heels got beaten up. Like, you know what I mean? It's like you, we've watched yep, we've yep. watched WWE for so long with, as you will always say, Joe, with heat on heat on heat. And the bad guys have got to go over because we're building this pay-per-view. But if you do that every time, it completely loses all effect. The baby faces stood tall, smashed through the window with Cody using MJF scarf like the biggest hero in the building. Beat them up. The heels powdered. 
the baby faces got to look like heroes. Jericho got to hold up his ticket. Everyone was a winner. And you got to just, you know, MJF got a big pop. DDP got a big pop. The heels, you know, we're, we're, we're chicken shits, but that's fine. You know, it was just, it worked for everybody, didn't it? And it was, it was a, just even like the location of it, the fact that it took place like in the stands and then took place, you know, you see brawls like that happen, you know, in concession stands in that fake WWE way where they're using popcorn as weapons and bullshit like that, that the Moxley's been involved Dean in Ambrose and times. a hot dog car. Yeah, that? yeah, all of that shit. But it felt fresh, didn't it? It felt like a fresh location to do a brawl like this. And it shouldn't, but it felt fresh that the baby faces didn't look like dickheads. Like this for me, I want more of this on the program. It's it, mm. it was like it's almost like a backhanded compliment, but you can tell Cody's putting a lot of investment into his own stuff, and there's a lot of investment into the Jericho stuff. I would like to see on the show tomorrow a bit of investment like this in the in the Moxley Omega feud. Maybe get a bit yes, bit more non wrestling action. Get a bit of a you know I've moaned about it four weeks in a row now, but give Moxley a microphone maybe. Yeah, hopefully we're getting that tomorrow. Maybe you know dueling promos. Yeah, between I'll take dueling it. promos I, between. That's again, what they should be having towards the middle of this show. WWE trope, but just yeah, you don't have to do it as the sports entertainment open, do you? You can do it in a bit no. of a different way. You can let Moxley carry most of the talking. Hopefully we get a bit more of that with the other characters because this was fucking brilliant and I want to see more of it on this TV show rather than kind of the match, match, match structure that we've maybe been getting the last two two weeks. I think the problem with the Moxley Omega stuff though is the characters are still in a weird place. Mm. Whereas Cody and Jericho's characters are kind of fully established. There's a clear babyface heel dynamic Mm. and Moxley and Omega kind of, what are both? What are they? Yeah, yeah, what are they? Yeah, and that's why that's why we need the promos yeah. <laughs> yeah. to find that, I suppose, but also to get us excited for the match. And also, I think Moxley needs that promo. Yeah, mm. yeah it's a strange one that he's not been given that mic yet. Yeah, you um, think it'd draw a rating as well if they're worried about you know what we were saying last week about them going, you know, they go and match, match, match because they don't want to lose viewers. You would think John Moxley stood in the middle of a ring taking two minutes to talk about why he's come to AEW and then spending the rest you know, selling the Omega match. You, you'd think that'd pop a rating for the quarter hour. No, it's, yeah. uh, it's it's almost like they've forgotten. They've got, like, I know I know he wasn't the top guy in WWE, but he was like the 1B to Roman Reigns at one point. He's a genuine big star. You'd think he'd catch a few people flipping the channel. Exactly. He's a, he's a you know, a, a new modern star who to a certain degree hasn't been seen in a, in a entirely different environment, leaving at, peak of his career mm. so you'd want to do something with it like mm. you both say it's just like it's just the guy ever matches right now he's just a, he's he just the guy ever matches like what did you make of his match with Pac and the the matches on the show in general and them doing the uh the tv time remaining uh draw that they did mm. with him uh, again it was fine it's just it's not what i'd be doing with this feud at this point yeah, Joe, Joe called it as being a draw last week. It seemed like the obvious thing to do. And as soon as there were like TV time remaining and I could <laughs> see how long was left, it was like, oh, okay, right. So it's going to be a draw. And that's what it was. It was fine. Like there was a lot of stuff on the show. I mean, other than that that opening match, a lot of it was kind of, I, I thought was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mind this match necessarily. I didn't think it was particularly great. And I thought Omega Janela was pretty good. I That was the thing, like, Considering, and I think that's one of the criticisms I know people have, have said is that he gave Janela too much during that match. So my problem with it was, and I had a version, I'm assuming, well, I, I watched a version um, that I think was from like Fight or somewhere. Yeah, with the adverts, um, and, uh, no adverts, but they carry on rolling. 
Yeah, yeah. And what I found was when they went to the adverts in America, what I found really weird was as they went to the advert, JR made a real point of saying that Janela was dominating Omega, right? Mm. And then during the break, Omega gets on top, hits this amazing-looking tope, and, like, does some really great stuff during the break, right? Why would you do that during the break? When we get back from break, the first thing he does is he hits the you-can't-escape, like, Samoan drop-type move, right? Hardly any of the crowd chanted it along with Omega as well, which I found interesting. Mm. And it felt like a little bit of an insight as to, like, maybe the making mm. of the crowd and how many people going along to these AEW shows are maybe that familiar with Omega and his kind of signature offense and catchphrases and stuff, which, yeah, I found that really weird. But it just felt like the way they structured the matter and the breaks was completely wrong because most mm. of Omega's offense was cut out of the match as a result of them going to the break. But I saw the match in full, and as a full match for a TV match, it was a decent match. I thought it was sort of three-and-a-half-star mm. match. Omega needed to go over. It wasn't the shit show that was that ridiculous non-sanctioned match there in mm. dark the week before as well. But mm. yeah, a little bit more promotion around Omega, Moxley, possibly afterwards, maybe a run-in from Moxley, something, something would have given it uh, that little bit of something it needed mm. to take that feud to the next level. Yeah, I thought they might oh. do it when they, you know, they did like the TV time remaining draw, and then despite the fact that TV time had allegedly ran out, we kind of the camera stayed on Moxley for like another minute while he just kind of said this is yeah. bullshit into the camera. I thought we might be getting something there, but obviously I don't think it'd make a huge amount of sense if they've uh, they've cut the match short and not done the promo. Uh, I mean, one thing I was going to say about them doing that as well on that, I don't mind them doing TV time remaining draws. It just felt a bit soon for it. It felt like they booked themselves into a corner with this trying to sell tickets and wanting to have a big match on TV mm. every week. And you can do this, no problem. I just think week four is a bit soon. I feel like it was a bit of a crux. And I think it was purely they booked themselves into a corner and they didn't know what else to do. So they went with the draw. Uh, I think you could establish this later and just do something else with Moxley and Park. I think my, my overall is just, you probably just didn't need to book the match in the first place. It was fine. It was a TV match. Um, I was with you, Joe and Janela Omega. I gave that, actually I gave that 3.25 just below you. I gave Moxley and Pack three stars because it was just, it was a three star throwaway 12 minute match that I didn't need and I would have much rather taken a, an in-ring promo segment so uh, do you go any higher JP and uh, what did you think of the uh, the rest of the matches on the show no uh, same as you on the ratings front um, one thing I did want to say is is possibly the best performance by a Southampton performer this week uh, in, uh, yeah, in, ja yeah. in Jamie Hayter yeah I gotta say <laughs> when I had from Southampton England I was like this is weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah I did, I did get something out of that and was cheering on Jamie Hayter Although, you know what? i got to say, she's improved. Yes, she, she has. She really has improved. I thought she really carried the match. Um, and I wasn't cheering on the... Usually, I'd want the baby face within their own town. But I was cheering on Jamie Hayter and thinking, she's improved, but... I don't know what her liver's going to be like at the moment because she's hanging around with Jimmy Abbott quite a lot of my gather. So while the ring work's improving, the liver's probably worse off. And good luck to her because um, I'll be cheering her on. And hopefully she gets a contract. A good bit of Southampton mm. representation, AEW. You know, they're going to go even higher up in my estimation, if anything. I think she looked, yeah. she looked, she looked better than Britt Baker, but I didn't think she looked great. I think that's just because Britt Baker just looked so kind of raw. 
Um, that's it I didn't love it as a match though I just thought this this was another example should have been a two minute squash really like Mm. they almost went 10 minutes Uh, yeah I'd agree with that didn't need to go 50-50 and and that's part of the problem when you're looking at the 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 sort of the matches and the match order you've got you know first match 12 minutes 30 second one 14 next one 13 30 next one 12 10 then you got Mm. 8 30 for that 12 20 for the main event it's yeah, it's you, too, a bit too much. It's too much. I mean, a obviously there's there's too many matches on the cards. I mean, this match is always going to be on there because of Britt Baker being from from Pittsburgh, and I think they just wanted they wanted that kind of reaction on there. Mm. But that's part of the issue, isn't it? Is losing that as well. But also, you know, why not have a match that goes four minutes? Mm. I mean, I, I don't. See I that. think with Britt Baker, one of the for, mm. one of the thoughts is maybe she's not wrestling a lot. She's yeah. not wrestling a lot of matches. Um, she needs to improve by wrestling longer matches. That's where they've got the problem of not having their guys got on the indies mm. and work weekend dates. Mm. And that's where I think they're being a little bit short-sighted because if they're not running yeah. house shows, mm. and I get why they're not, guys like Private Party and Britt Baker are going to wrestle maybe once a week, once every fortnight. Yep. And how is that going to help them improve mm. uh sort of long-term, a quicker rate. I don't, I think they need to really have a look at that situation and maybe find some affiliate indies that they can kind of pimp their wrestlers out to possibly. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, any other thoughts on AEW before we move on? Yeah. The going back to the baby face point, a lot of baby face wins on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, lot of, you know, sort of good positive sort of feeling in the mm. building as well as a result of that. Not the sort of drab affair that you, the likes of Raw is usually with, uh, oh, this guy won. Oh, now he's going to get beaten down so the other guy can get his heat back. Yeah. Or this guy's got a chance. Oh, no, he's lost. Oh, and he's put an exclamation mark on it by delivering another finishing move at the end to show this guy is a fucking geek. Mm. So, yeah, I think AEW have got the right approach. We've had a lot of uh, sort of heel end segments, but this week the baby faces kind of got a decent chance I thought and it was mm. yeah it was quite refreshing if anything and mm. long may it continue mm. yeah, yeah. The, yeah I was going to say just in summary the the issue is still there about the terms of the lack of the packages and the promo time stuff they could really connect with and by losing one possibly even two matches not going for anything like six on a two hour show which is far too much but on the whole it's something that I do still look forward to yeah. there isn't the point where I feel burnt out with this I'm I'm still wanting to know what happens and what goes on with these sto- with these stories, you know. I still have an element of investment in it. I haven't found it like a difficult watch yet because even of the stuff that on the car on on any of the shows that hasn't been particularly good, it's kind of been like sort of inoffensive, mm. like kind of at the absolute worst. So I haven't minded it. Um, so and they're doing well and they're already being smacked down in the ratings. So I mean mm. it's. It's, it's <laughs> well, that's a big time to be loving it this week. <laughs> Do you know what the worst thing on the show is before we end? Cool. That Brandy Rhodes segment. Oh my Jamie. god, yeah, I can't believe we haven't mentioned that. Yeah, what was is she yeah. heel? Is she a face? Is she just Stephanie McMahon at this point? What was that? Did she just go away? And <laughs> just be Cody's, like valet and a spokesperson for the promotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and never step near a ring. Yeah, to wrestle. Leave it as a mystery. Yeah. I don't need an answer to this angle. I think just yeah, okay. She came in. She poked someone in the head. Let's just move on. Let's never answer it. Let's just uh, let's just not see her in this role over again. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, you, you mentioned the ratings there, though. By the way, like uh, that is a thing. It did. AW did dip a bit, but so did NXT. They were up against the World Series, weren't they? Still did nine six three thousand mm. though. Still beat SmackDown, if you mentioned. 
I mean, I don't think this week is really worthy of too much criticism, but does it give you any pause that maybe as an average now we're floating around a million and there were one, almost a million and a half people who were willing to tune into episode one? Any any cause for concern there or was that always going to happen? I don't think so. I mean, I think in this case, they're starting from a completely fresh base. So it's really difficult to kind of work out exactly where they are. And it's just going to take a few more weeks for that. Whereas the difference is, is Raw and SmackDown are established TV properties that have had time to cultivate an audience. So I think in on, on this front, it's still, you know, TNT are apparently absolutely ecstatic with it. It's something that's really working for them. So I think they're going to be happy with it. I think they're going to be looking to invest in it. And as long as they're keeping up the 18 to 49 demographic that I'm sure everybody's fucking sick of hearing about now at this stage. <laughs> but at the same time, they're doing the job for that. So I think this is fine. I think the the number I said, if it goes below that I'd be a little bit worried about is, is 700,000. So if it went below that, you're getting close to that half a million and they will have lost a million in that time. It going down to around a million at the moment, it is where it is, but also I get the impression there's enough there that if there was a few that really started to catch real fire, that they do that, there'd be enough people to be interested to come in and watch it as well. Mm. Definitely, yeah, I think that that's it's something to keep an eye on. If they, if you know, I think they'll bounce back this week. If they don't, and you know, they lose any more, maybe I, maybe I'd think about it in more terms. Mm. But they're still completely squashing NXT, which. Actually, you know what? I would say this week I had the better wrestling on it. I know you didn't watch it, JP, but I don't know if you saw mm. any of it, Joe. I did think that NXT had the better matches of the week. I thought Cameron Grimes and Matt Riddle was really good. So I gave that three and a half on Grapple. And I thought the main event, uh, Roderick Strong, Dominic Djakovic uh, and Keith Lee had a really great uh, heavy-hitting three uh, 3.75 star match uh, in the main event. Uh, did you see any of that? Did you see the Finn Balor angle? Uh, or have you given up already, Joe? Uh, no, no, no. I had a flick through it. I watched bits of the show. Um, so I watched both of those matches that you mentioned. There, it is ben, good. I, it's thought, good, but I can't, I can't, yeah. I, I struggle to feel enthusiastic about it. It's very good. Yeah, there's no buzz on it. It yeah. doesn't feel buzzworthy at the moment. Yeah. And I think it's a thing, again, as we've said before, as I made the point a couple of, a couple of, last couple of weeks, the matches once you've watched AEW, where it was kind of organic in the ring. And if it was like sort of set up being called in the ring for the most part, this all feels so rehearsed still. And it feels like the guys have been down to the PC a couple of days before, <laughs> making sure they're laying out their match and everything in place, ready for the big Wednesday. And yeah, I saw something about um, Pete Dunn and Damian Priest. And I commented on it last week, but then I saw something about them rehearsing their match on the road and then in the PC. It was like, fucking hell, like... How many rehearsals do you need on a match? So it's the rehearsed sort of style of it that I think stands out more when you've watched something that does feel more organic. And I enjoyed the matches that you mentioned there, Benno. I think mm. I went four stars on the Triple Threat. Mm. There's some really, really fun stuff in there at times. Um, but yeah, you could tell that it was rehearsed to within an inch of its life. Although all I would say that that match is maybe the reason I enjoyed that so much is that's maybe something of an exception because it does feel like Dijakovic and Keith Lee are still taking the piss with you know there were no Canadian destroyers in this one but still doing ridiculous bumps and dives for big men that'll get trained out oh. in no time they've still got kind of that indie shine on them a little bit maybe that's why I like it 
Keith Lee's dive over that, like flip dive over the top rope was absolutely insane. Oh, that was my moment of the match, mm. if anything. And yeah, Riddle, Trevor, Trevor Lee, Cameron, whatever his name is. Cameron Grimes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right, is he a big fan of Frank Grimes of The Simpsons? <laughs> that's, that's what I was hoping of. <laughs> my favourite Simpsons episode ever. Oh, you know, people don't like that episode. It's like a... Why? Yeah, I remember reading something on it that it split the fan base at the time it came out. I can't imagine not loving that. Like, Homer just right, winding up grimy the whole episode. It's uh, For me, like, it's a Grimy's classic. a tragic... He's, he's Michael Douglas and falling down yeah. about the fan base. <laughs> yes, isn't he? Um, but also, it's the episode where Bart buys a factory for a dollar. And he mill houses. Oh, yeah. oh they play around in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. could put a wrestling it's, it's show on. Do you reckon Cameron Graham should do a grimy gimmick? Maybe Buzz cut his hair, give him some glasses? Good no, no, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think right to censor was possibly influenced by Frank Grimes based oh, on what he's that wearing. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> you never know. But um, yeah, it was NXT. It was what you expect to have an NXT show. It was what it was. I did like the Balor turn. I mm. thought it was actually executed and oh, pulled off really That overhead well. kick was like perfectly mm. timed, wasn't it? That couldn't have gone any better when he, uh, he hit Gargano. Like without, without even looking, it was a skill that. That was, uh, that was definitely Tekka's. Yeah, tell a lie. This was the only thing I saw news because you told me to have a look at it. So I'd look at it on YouTube. Mm. Yeah, that it was good. It was a good heel turn. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Irishman doing an overhead kick. Don't see that very often, do you? <laughs> no, you don't. Um, and I've, I've got a bit of a confession to make, lads. Oh. Hold on, hold on. All we'll right. get onto your fantasy league in a second <laughs> the other thing i was going to mention as well um the pete dunn tyler bates segment right oh. i'm not just that segment i was gonna ask if you saw but, <laughs> but these segments that nxt do with interviewers mm. i know it's the case for wwe as a whole but they are so poorly directed they make the interviewer look like an absolute mug like, I think it was, um, what's her name? Kathy Kelly doing it. Mm. And she's like chasing after the talent. And then they hold the camera on the interviewer for so long to the point where they look really disappointed and awkward. So like, what are you doing? Like, why do we need this three, four second shot of the person who's just done the interview? That feels completely unnatural, completely staged and helps no one. Like, just. Who comes up? Kevin Dunn, I'm assuming, but yeah. I don't know what Dunn's up to. Is he like making female interviewers look like mugs? I, I don't know. But anyway, there was a bit work that I was going to mention in the Jordan Devlin uh, David Starr match. Do you remember low blows? I love Tyler Bates. He went low, man. That's not on. <laughs> like, <laughs> awful acting. Awful acting. Like, Peaky Blind, I don't like Peaky Blinds because it's overrated as fuck. And overrated, well, sorry, what am I talking about? I need to go to bed. But yeah, poor acting on Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn's part. Yeah, par for the course, isn't it? Uh, those PC classes are uh, paying off for the lads, but I'm glad we got a, a Tyler Bate impression to go with you, you Pete Dunn from last week, Joe. I think it was the same impression, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll oh, oh, go on, JP. What we no, got? I was going to say, I'm going to sneak in this little comment oh, out. Oh, really? Tro- Soul Troy Parrot. <laughs> oh. Yeah, got, got in Aaron Connolly. Oh, got eight points in his first week. Never against a penalty. Never a penalty, JP. I, I watched match of the day when I got home after being stuck on a train for six hours with Everton fans who were all going down to Brighton. Uh, I wasn't impressed, JP. No, but... um. 
It's a like-for-like replacement there. You've basically gone, young Irishman, young Irishman. This young Irishman is starting games and getting minutes. Here we go. Yep, that's basically it. Pretty much spot on. Fair enough. Well done, JP. You got it in. There we go. Got (laughs) it in. It's like a casting change in a soap where they basically get like... Oh. When they got rid of Daniela Westbrook and EastEnders and upgraded to a much better version. Remember when they changed the mum in um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Uh, it was like... Yes, uh, yeah. 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 Like yeah. They were very, very different actresses as well. And I think it, you know, fair to say, very different skin tones too. Um, yeah, that was, mm. a, that was a notable one. Although they made the joke of it, like there was a, it was a wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing in that. But yeah, that, when uh, Danielle Westbrook left uh, EastEnders, do you remember that one as well? Was that when she had the big hole in her nose? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Pub I much. worked at the time that I pointed out when we were going to London on that minibus trip, saw her in there with Brian Harvey back in the you day. You didn't tell me that. Oh, no, they were in there. They were in the private bar where I was working the nightclub bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you? Uh, did they offer you a cheeky? Line? No, no, nothing like that happened. Okay. I thought she'd, you know, I was a bit like Daniela Westbrook, and then looked at Brian Harvey. They looked exactly how you'd imagine him to be. He had a baseball cap on. He had a big oversized sort of fleece jumper and a big pair of Timberland boots and baggy jeans. This ballsy move coming over from E17, isn't it? As well, to <laughs> North London to North. I think he was all right because he's basically on the North Circular, so it's a very easy ride home if he is going back to E17. Or Essex, for that matter. I digress. E17 were a good band. I was a big fan. Uh, I'm more of a take that man myself. Uh, About five. Well, you hung out with them as well, didn't you? I do. I'll save that for another week. You hung out with five? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got ten minutes left. It's one in the morning. Go for it. Uh, No, it's not really an interesting story. There was two of them. The land with the beards. And um, the other lad who went missing for a bit, and I saw him, he was at a boxing match at York Hall, right fucking cast of characters of that one. This is a much more complex so story. you saw the five guy who was missing? Twice. Yeah, so twice. Like so one a... of them went missing. He was there with some geezers in like second row of a, of a boxing match at York Hall that I was at. So you spotted him? He was there, but the first time I'd met him was actually <laughs> in this bar where he stayed sort of late night and had drinks with all the staff members there. And there were loads of the people I worked with. Did you speak to me at York Hall again? I didn't. He looked ah. like he was surrounded by shifty blokes. I thought, I'll leave it this time around. You'd have fit right in there. I, I really wouldn't have fit right in there, really. <laughs> I wasn't wearing a leather jacket for a start, which they were all doing. When I was in Glasgow, they were advertising some, like, pub at a five reunion on. So, like, five are touring, and there's just three members, but they're still oh, called yeah. Oh, they were playing, like, Mecca Bingo. <laughs> they played in Liverpool. They played, like, the local Mecca Bingo. The three of them. In front Seriously? of screaming housewives. Yeah. And it was someone from work went and she had a very good time. She said it was a, she was a good gig. Well, you know, she enjoyed herself. It'd be like when Bross have done their tours and the Brossettes are out in force. Oh, imagine her and that O'Neill's when you were working. There were five though, mate. She was there having exclusive VIP drinks of the lands. She'd have wouldn't know what it. <laughs> uh, I don't know what we got from Daniela Westbrook to this. No, but, uh. no exactly. But it's good for the show images. Definitely, it always works. So, but yeah, well, we've got ten minutes left, and it's one in the morning. Should we talk about NWA power? We should probably mention it. Um, well, we 
yeah. behind now, so we're probably not going into big detail uh, this week. But I thought uh, I've seen week three was uh, was very enjoyable. I saw like the first twenty minutes of uh, week four before we press record tonight. Mm. Uh, still an enjoyable show. I thought week three was probably the weakest. It was the shortest as well. It only went it was like 40, 45 minutes. Um, yeah, it was about forty five minutes. Yeah, it's still enjoyable and probably yeah the first thing I'll do when I finish editing this thing is uh is finish watch- watching episode four. Uh, any big notes from you guys? Um, other than I'm enjoying these Joe Galley, Nick Aldis interviews a lot more oh, than yeah, I think great. I should yeah, do, yeah. but they're actually really good. And Joe Galley himself needs a bit of praise for just the sheer straight face. He plays a straight man very, very well, just sort of completely like there's no, no real emotion for what he's saying. It kind of reminds you back to a kind of Gordon Soli-esque era of the kind of straight interviews. I mean, Joe's speaking about backstage interviewers being completely unrealistic in the way they behave at NXT. This is kind of conduct. The interviews tend to be conducted in the way you want to. And I think the same thing with the Dave Marquez ones. Oh yeah. They always seem to connect for me, Mm. but as a wrestling show, there's never really that much wrestling to really talk about, I suppose, other than the Caleb Conley match necessarily. But it's a promo show, isn't it? Like that's why it's a promo show. You know, yeah. Again, to talk you into wanting to pay for the pay per view. Yeah, we'd have to add like an interview section to uh, to grapple if uh, if Gareth decides to ever put them on to to rate the interviews because that's what it's more about. It's more about like you know even like an Aaron Stevens Mm. killing it. Like did that uh, tropical pirate (laughs) straight to DVD film he was promoted last week was great. He did it on the the show you guys haven't seen yet he did a bit of a did the promo at the the start of the show uh that was very good again uh yeah it's that's what it's about isn't it rather than the actual the matches themselves big wouldn't, wouldn't imagine that i'd be a big fan of a uh, aaron idol slash aaron stevens uh mm. slash uh, damian mizdow in 2019 uh, he was always pretty funny in wwe he always kind of made the most out of what character they gave to him i suppose didn't he mm, that's very true very true but yeah they're, they're doing a great job with just these spare parts you know homicide and eddie kingston killing it uh loved all that on on last week's show Tim Storm again being the the drama of you know will Tim Storm accept being Eli Drake's tag team partner speaking of great talkers Eli Drake will Tim Storm you know walk away from wrestling what's the drama with uh, with Magnus coming out and uh, and helping him at the end of the show they're pulling me into characters I never thought I'd enjoy and yeah I enjoyed all that stuff on uh, on last week's show yeah the 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 Tim Storm character shouldn't be working in any way, shape, or form. Mm. Like fifty-three years old, like not particularly amazing, but I'm invested. Mm. And it's the same thing with Eli Drake. I've never had any interest in Eli Drake, other than I could recognise he could cut a good promo. Mm. But here it seems to mean something. Mm. Yeah, he, and, I can't believe I've become a fan of Eli Drake. <laughs> yeah, he's very stunning, Steve Austin, isn't he? He, he is, he's, for this environment, it absolutely suits him down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, it works. It's, but that's the whole thing about this program. You watch it and it shouldn't work, but it works mm-hmm. and you're into it. And it just, and because it moves at this kind of real rollicking pace, you're never bored. And you realise, ah, you know, even if you're watching before you realise, you're sort of 20 minutes in and you go, oh, watch the rest of this then. It's, because it's so incredibly easy. It's the kind of thing that I've ended up watching, like, on the way to and from work, on yeah, a bus, I watch it on, easy. I watch it when I'm having a shit. Yeah. <laughs> or I watch it when I'm in bed. Yeah. Because it's really easy viewing in that sort of environment. Mm. Yeah. What I liked as well is, back to Star Devlin, felt like they'd been watching uh, Tim Storm uh, Nick Aldis <laughs> with that low blow. He went low, man. <laughs> um, it, it's just yeah. not on, is it? <laughs> 
it's not on. What are you talking about, JP? I ended up with five. Um, yeah. It felt like they paid sort of tribute and were influenced by the Tim Storm Nick Oldis match. So, yeah, <laughs> that, that stood out to me straight away. Like, baby face, low blow spots now. I'm always just going to figure that Tim Storm spot. Shows you what a great job they've done with it. Mm-hmm. Other thing as well, where do they go with the Tim Storm storyline? Because he's had his last title shot. So what? Where does it go ultimately? I think they're going to. It seems like they continue on this tag route. It seems like Nick Aldis is on the fringes, though. I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll do something uh, with, with that. Maybe they could be a team. Maybe I don't know. But the fact that we're invested in, it, I think that says it all. Like, what's going to happen next with Tim Storm? Would you ever think you'd be asking that question? I think so, and I think the way they've set this up. I mean, they're happy to do more sort of long-form stuff and taking mm. the time to build up the characters. So it's interesting you are like, where it's going to go. In a way, I don't think we're going to find out for really another two, three weeks. And I'm kind of all right with that mm. at this point in time. But we're going to see his Naturally, mom. it would it, that would be a thing. You'd have to see his mum and you'd imagine oh, a retirement no. match. I'm having flashbacks point. to Mama Benjamin. Let's not do that. Uh, me and you both. Oh. <laughs> yeah, let's Judy Judy Bagwell. I'll take Judy Bagwell. As far as wrestling mums go. <laughs> Judy Bagwell on a pole. Oh, amazing. But yeah, another fun show. Uh, yep. Easy watch. Uh, and definitely, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the next episode. I mean, as we run out of time again, JP, th- speaking of easy hey. watches, it's become the running joke, but we keep saying we're going to talk about MLW. And you know what, JP? Because I knew you were going to talk about it. And Matty's been pressuring me as well. I thought, you know what? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch MLW in the build-up to the pay-per-view. And it couldn't be more throwaway, the TV, the last few weeks. The filming with the crash, yeah. aren't they, in Mexico? So it's kind yeah. of... You're getting really awesome backstage dynasty segments uh, about, you know, them losing... What's what's his name? Not not MJF, the, the guy with the airport. Hammerstone. Hammerstone. No, Hammerstone and the third guy. Richard Holiday. Richard Holiday. And he's... he's, he's uh, He's gotten a new pair of AirPods, which was an entire segment. They're talking about how much they hate Mexico. They're avoiding fighting the Von Eriks, which is the match yep. they're building up for, for the pay-per-view. All of that stuff's great. And then they throw to the ring and it's like watching those impact shows that were in Mexico where the crowd aren't really into your homegrown grass, but LA Park comes out and gets a superstar reaction. Um, and it's very much like watching a crash show, but branded MLW. Unfortunately, not the best few weeks of MLW TV, I thought, to tune into Jimmy Havoc's Death House episode or whatever it was didn't uh, didn't pull me in what either. What the fuck but, is that? Oh, they did like a, what was it called? Jimmy Havoc's like, Halloween mega slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse, that was it, yeah. They did yeah. the Havoc themed Not episodes. Not one for vegetarians then. <laughs> Although, I will say that it did it did, <laughs> it did lead to him having a, a, a 3-0 match with, who was he in with, JP? It was a Savio Vega and... Uh, oh, oh I saw that. that yeah. When I saw Jimmy Epic Savio Vega, I was like, what <laughs> How? That tells How you everything that, about these show, what these shows are right now. Uh, not the not the best lead into a pay per view, but I'm still confident they'll uh, they'll knock it out to park on the pay per view. Yeah, it's a funny one because I it's really strange because watching it, it is again it's another easy watch. Except the the wrestling over these last few weeks, like you say, hasn't actually been very good. There's been a lot of stuff on there that's not been particularly good, but it's the backstage stuff and it's the characters is the things that make you want to watch. My fear for them going towards a pay-per-view is how is the wrestling going to hold up? Because when I, I mean, in some of the big matches I've seen, so I watched like a two out of three falls match between 
the dynasty and um, the Heart Foundation, and I was a bit bored during that. But it's got a wild card for this one, for this pay-per-view, which is up against some very heavy competition on that night. You've got UFC with Masvidal versus Diaz. You've got Canelo's having a fight that weekend. You know, obviously we'll all be recovering from Crown Jewel as well uh, at that point in time. But there's some interesting stuff on this on this card. Like you say, though, the TV's been throwaway. Is there much that gets either of you two even remotely interested in any of it? No. Not at all. <laughs> We're not going to sell Joe, are we, JP? I'm We're not selling Joe. It's I want to see the Von Erichs yeah. and the Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I might flip through the pay per view if something's good, but it's too much. Like Jimmy Avok. No, there's there's just <laughs> the market's sat like oversaturated. There's there's too much choice at the moment, and uh, <sighs> like this is fine, but eh. Loki like, Brian uh, Pillman. This, this weekend you've got football, you've yeah. got boxing, you've got UFC. Yeah, there's so much going on. Rugby World Cup fine. No. <laughs> what space of MLW got? Like it's just it's fine, but whatever. That, that is that is part of the issue because the, the potential for them New to Japan be, to be something as well. Well, yeah, yeah. Power power struggle. Yeah, that one's crept up. Apparently that tournament's great. I haven't seen a single match from it so far. No, same actually. Very, very burnt out on it at the moment. But I was going to say that there is... There's interesting stuff that's on here that mm. I would find appealing, that you would find appealing, like a Tom Lawler versus Timothy Thatcher mm. match. So presented right could be really interesting. Jacob Fatu versus LA Park. Oh my God. Match. Those LA Park promos where he's talking about wanting to stomp oh, on yeah. his fucking face over and over again, like the subtitle promos. They taught me into the building. Uh. Exactly. Yeah, I'd find this appealing a few years ago when there was less mm. product. With so much product, that's the, that's the thing that makes it... Yeah less appealing to me. And it blends very much into the kind of impact space yeah. of where impact We is don't need MLW wise. and impact, do we? Like, I almost feel That's like... That's the problem. <laughs> like, they could be one company, just make it MLW with a, with a few of the impact talents in there and it'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'd be interested to see how it does. I'm sure there'll be elements of this show that'll work. I think they've got, they've got four matches on a pre-show, so it seems like far too much. Hopefully the TV will pick up afterwards as well. Mm. Yeah. So after all that weight, really, not that much to say in MLW. Sorry about that. I never thought there was going to be. No offence, mate. Uh, (laughs) Teddy Hart is still awesome in there as well. Yeah, that's why you've been watching it. (laughs) I was going to say as well, do you reckon they'll draw more than what Ring of Honor managed to draw in the UK uh, this past weekend? Oh, yeah, I think they're going to do about 2,000 for this. Oh, there you go. Yeah, for this one. Yeah. So it's not 70 now. I just wanted to bring up Ring of Honor's shite attendances. That's... I did have a thought on the way back from the football as well. I was thinking like Granite Jack is like feels very much like Matt Taven. Someone who's been pushed to a level and it's just the crowd have turned against him. Yeah, they don't really want to go show. there anymore. <laughs> so perhaps that's what happened there. Matty went, is that right, to, to Ring of Honour? Yeah, sure they got a live report from him. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll get him on there to tell us. Sure they flocked of... around him. He was only one of about 100 people there. <laughs> oh, you met Cole Cabana. He was very happy and... Um... What's his name? The other commentator. Uh, what's the ring of honor? He's very good. Yeah, uh, met them. It, it sounded like yeah, the the other row seat did he have? Did he just wander up sitting there? <laughs> I think you probably could have sat anywhere. I was looking. I remember uh, Brit Resway days. Ben was saying that like, oh yeah, they they look like they've sold a lot more tickets in the club in the last few weeks. And all it was literally, they just took the back rows off sale. I, lo- I saw a picture of your yeah. call, and it was like the only. It was like the only. They didn't literally have three rows of seats out, but they might as well have the 
for the, all the people in the building. Uh, so yeah, it did. It did seem like it was one of those where you could probably it sat where you want. But I did hear good I things about. Your um, cool. Oh, there were more people crowded around that bloke from five when JP was there for a naughty <laughs> boxing event than there were watching Ring of Honor. Honestly, it looked empty. Yeah, didn't look great, did it? Not a that. Speaking of a promotion that doesn't really need to exist in 2019. Yeah, yeah, we've railed on them enough. Merge, yeah. merge those three together. <laughs> there you go. Probably but, still be too much wrestling to get through, <laughs> frankly, at this point. It'll make our lives easier, though, JP. They're coming on to um, what is it? Fight Network, aren't they? Ring of Honor. So it'll mm-hmm. be another program that's on TV over here that's made its way on that I will never watch. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, Friday nights are the good as but yeah. Too much product. Uh, any other thoughts on Ring of Honor, MLW, um, Painters Radios, Lexi Bell, anything? <laughs> Elections, rugby, cricket? We've hit the one o'clock mark. I think we're, yeah. We've, <laughs> we've, we've done well for a week. We've got more out of this than... than Are you cheering on England done. in this Rugby World Cup final? Um. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. be for this one. Okay. Yeah. Good lad. Yeah. Uh, like you, I don't care. No, win or lose, I'm. Oh, yeah. will be. There'll be other people that'll be happier about it than me necessarily. I almost hope we lose, and I got to hear about it less. That's it. It's going to be all over the place. And that's, that's a rugby. terrible attitude, isn't it? The last rugby, and I think I watched was that Rugby World Cup final in 2003. <laughs> and one of the main reasons I watched that was working doing a shift at Sainsbury's, <laughs> and we were all allowed to walk around over TVs and watch it. And the manager was there having a watch of it with us. So yeah, but it wasn't the rapturous occasion like. England winning the proper World Cup final would be, wasn't it? It was just like forgotten about the next day, from what I remember. <laughs> there were some people who were very a bit more excited about it than yeah, that. a few not pri- you privileged though. Tory bastards. <laughs> <laughs> My ignorance is bliss, isn't it? It really is. Uh, I love it. Well, on that note, <laughs> oh. uh, anything to plug this week, JP? Uh, I know uh, well, you were... like you. Yeah, go on. You should get your plug in because mine kind of links mm. on with that. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm uh, on this weekend's uh, Thunderstruck with WH Park on uh, on Post Wrestling, the uh, series where he follows the uh, the career of Justin Thunderliger. I've mentioned on this show before. I'm uh, I maybe give the game away, but uh, as has been advertised, now we're reviewing the Daniel Bryan slash Bryan Danielson uh, match with, uh, with with Liger from uh, from Ring of Honor from the the weekend of Thunder uh, years ago in 2004. So. If you're interested in my thoughts on that, lots of uh, Green Lantern fan stories. We mentioned the uh, the Ring of Honor bus a little bit, but we don't really go into much detail. Uh, I just generally talk about uh, Ring of Honor, Gabe Sapolsky's rotten commentary, and all the like. You can uh, check Jimmy that Bauer. out. And Jimmy Bauer. What was his other <laughs> name? Jimmy Bauer and... Oh, Chris Lovey. Chris Lovey was his original name, wasn't he? Oh, the, yeah. uh, great Chris Lovey commentary. Uh, yeah, you can hear all that on, uh, on Post Wrestling on Sunday, but there's uh, an episode coming up with you as well, JP. That's right. I recorded it earlier on today. We did. Um, I'll, I'll save it for a few weeks because yeah, okay. leave a bit of interest in there, shall we? Yeah. Nice. But um, yeah, recorded that. Uh, one thing he did say, he did record his show with James E. Uh, just to finish off on it, considered you the Atsushi Anita of uh, of European wrestling podcasting, as you're a wild man that can't Me? be tamed. Yep. All oh, right. Okay. The, I'll that would as, you take that? Yeah. That as a compliment. I yeah. was the Takamishinoku. Which seems like I'm, I'm pretty. Is that compliment? I'm, I took it as a compliment. Well, it's a light touch. You know, you, you and you can accompany the new Zack Saber Junior to the ring at some point. That's, like. yeah. And you can face plant in a Royal Rumble. 
that's all there. Yeah, that was a brutal bump yeah. he took on that one. Yeah. Noto recorded that with him <laughs> um, today for Thunderstruck. It was, it was really good fun. I uh, really enjoyed it. It's not going to be out for a few weeks yet. Um, but yeah, really enjoyable. Had a good chat. He's a great lad. So yeah, we got a bit of bollocks chat in there as well. So good stuff. I uh, caught up because I saw the first episode dropped for the uh, new Thunderstruck series. So I used it as an excuse to go back and watch the uh, Ligon Naoki Sano series from 89, 90. That's the first episode that's gone up, the 90 match. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, excellent matches. I'd, I'd seen them years ago, mm. but going back and watching them again, all completely different matches. Three matches. Mm. They did have four, but the, uh, the third one you can't find anywhere. I don't think it was recorded, possibly. But all three matches are completely individual to one mm. another and rest in a completely different style. Mm. Yeah, it's well worth going back and watching these matches if you're going to follow along the podcast. Well, it's funny you mention that. I'm hopefully recording another Liger-based podcast towards the end of this week. Oh, with, uh, Re- with Resident Jushin Liger expert JP, <laughs> eh? <laughs> I tried to steal that from Benno the week that his Thunderstruck is out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, getting a, getting a proper amount of Liger. It's been bloody good fun. I've always come to you on my Liger-based uh, questions and <laughs> Generally. perspectives that I want on the man. So yeah, what better man to do two different Liger episodes this weekend? <laughs> exactly, and then Benno for a third one. There we go. If you want your Liger content, this is, you know, God. It's, <laughs> it's Liger it's Christmas. It's hovering around everyone. here, but WH is doing a you know mammoth task with the amount of stuff he's going through as well. Definitely. So yeah. Listen to your one first, though, obviously, Benno. Thanks, JP. And yeah, follow the WH at WH Park on Twitter. Follow Post Wrestling or Post Wrestling if you want to keep an eye out for that episode coming out. Uh, other than that, follow Grapple at Grapple App uh, on Twitter. Download the Grapple App and uh, get your ratings in. Uh, will uh, Would Joel Devlin and David Starr stay at five stars? Uh, the more ratings that come in, it does look like it's dropping. Uh, I've seen a few. Uh, there's a couple of fours here on uh, on the Grapple App uh, and quite a few 4.75. So it's in the wind right now guess we'll see as the days come on but yeah get your ratings in download the app follow jp on twitter at jpjp and follow me on twitter at benson richardy that's about it for the plugs that's about it for us for another week i guess we'll be back next week bye i've got a t- an idea for the title of the show oh please do because i'm all out my feet so I five stars but with the five in there, IVE. Because that, oh, that's yeah. how they said it for the band yeah. at five stars. It ties in with the sort of Devlin um, star talk as well. It's a shame you didn't go into more detail on that story. Oh, five star with the five and then star as David. No. No. Or five stars. Any thoughts, Benno? <laughs> Don't <laughs> care. <laughs> <Yes>. Maybe. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll throw some images together. So, but I'll get started. Now. Get on. Is it get on up? Is that the... Ooh, that's uh, a good. Ch- I'm more of a fan of um, Slam Dunk the Funk. You're no. doing it up, or you got um, that that, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's that other one. Like, uh, oh, fuck. How does it go? I can picture the get video. On up. When it's get on up. It's got to be the one. I was never a fan of that. Fair enough. Oh, I was never nice. a fan of that. One. It was more that. Um, fuck. I cannot get the song in my head. <laughs> but I know the exact song. <laughs> One, two, three, oh, four. Yeah. <laughs> I've done them on karaoke many of a time. Oh, maybe when the lights go, go out. out. <laughs> <laughs>